Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MonsterCast. I'm your host, the Straight Edge Monster Jack, joined by Ryan, of course. Um, yeah, and this is going to be a huge-ass show. We've been waiting for this show for a while now. Uh, we've had two prediction shows the last couple of shows. We had the Forbidden Door predictions, and then we had the Money in the Bank predictions on Friday. So we've got a lot to cover. We're going to cover Forbidden Door, Blood and Guts, Money in the Bank. Um, Got some toy news, which I'm excited about. Uh, Ring of Honor. New signings, new leavings. A lot of shit going on right here. And, of course, we'll end the show with Mark That Tweet. And it's a good one this week, guys. So, uh, let's go ahead and get right into it. Forbidden Door. Now, of course, we all watched it. If you're watching the show, you probably watched it. Let's be real. So, Forbidden Door... Uh, oh my god. Okay, so where to begin? The Let's start with the records. The records, if you look at the bottom of your screen on the scroll, uh, we tied on both pay-per-views. We both went 4-2 and two at Money in the Bank, and we both went 11-3 and three at uh, Forbidden Door. So nobody gained anything on anybody these last couple. And hey, they're winning records, so you can't be mad at that, I guess. Uh, but the difference here is Ryan was at Forbidden Door Live. Of course, if you joined us on that show, you saw that he was live in Chicago in the hotel room doing the uh, predictions for the show. I think that was the day of the show, right? That was the day of the show. We did it that morning, yeah. Yeah. Um, so and Then I went to the zoo. Oh, okay, <laughs> so I believe I asked you on the show how excited you were because you were actually there, and I felt like, you know, even though there was a bunch of injuries and everything that took everybody out of it, um, or took them down a couple pegs. I won't say out of it. It wasn't, we weren't out of it. We were still hyped for it. But if you were more excited because you were actually going to go and you pretty much had a good idea of what you were going to see, uh, I mean, fuck, we went 11 and three. So of course you had a good idea what you were going to see. But, yeah. uh, I believe you said nine. If I'm not mistaken, I think you said nine. Uh, right. did it live up to the nine expectation in your eyes as someone who was there on the seventh row watching it. The show itself was really good. Um, the matches all had a lot of, except for, I guess, you know, what the four way ending fell a little bit flat, even live. Cause we were all just a little bit confused. Um, Cause obviously Cole didn't get hit with anything or whatever. Uh, the, as like as a whole, yeah, the event was really good. Uh, I think it was a lot of the the nice thing about the event too is a lot of the matches that you thought were going to be kind of like filler matches or just kind of there to have people on, um, they ended up being a lot better than expected too. Like even the the Jericho um, uh, six man tag that thing, like there was so much energy and stuff behind that too. Everybody knowing who everybody was, crowd was super loud. Um, yeah, I, I'd say it lived up to it. Um, I probably even in the seventh row though I probably wouldn't get floor seats again, um, unless they were like second row, and even then maybe not. But apparently, people at these fucking shows have a a, a really fun habit of standing on their fucking chairs to try to like see shit, which is crazy to me when you're already in the first few rows. But they were pissing everybody the fuck off. Like I, so whatever. I'd probably just get like other seats up on the little angled part next time. But other than that, and um, other than the the four-way finish, um, 
really wasn't a whole lot of problems there. Um, the stupid fight in the crowd, whatever. That kind of took away a little bit from the main event, but not for very long. Um, yeah, overall, yeah, it was it was still nine out of ten show. Um, and then by the time I finally got back to the hotel, I ended up catching most of the media scrum, so worked out. All right, so the only I'm gonna say that the pay per view overall was an eight out of ten. Uh, in my personal opinion, uh, it was really good. I mean, usually when I do pay-per-view ratings, I'm not doing point fives and shit. It's, I'll just give it 8 out of 10. I'd probably give it 8.5 if I wanted to be like really involved in the rating system here. But 8 out of 10 for me, um, because if you remember, the match I was looking forward to the most is the ah, match you were talking we about that ended early, and we yep. didn't get to see the Rainmaker. We didn't get to see the Buckshot Larry. We didn't get to see any of that, and it just kind of ended abruptly. You think it ended abruptly for a live audience. I... Trust me, we didn't. The camera angle that we were shown on the pay per view, it was not definitely not a camera angle where the match was about to be finished. If that makes sense, mm. like the way that they where they were shooting from when Jay White made the pin, it was like right up on Cole, and I'm sitting there like, yeah, he's kicking out. Like usually when they do the final pin, it's literally the hard cam. So. Right. Yeah, so no one was expecting that. It was very awkward, very weird. Hope, by the way, shout out to Adam Cole. Hope he gets better soon. He finally just made uh, his first tweet in a while uh, saying thanks for all the love and support from everybody or whatever because, of course, if you haven't heard, he has uh, a concussion at minimum. That's his... That's like uh, the diagnosis at the moment. But, of course, he still had shoulder problems on top of that already going into the match. Um, So... Yeah, hopefully he gets better soon. Another injury, of course, for Forbidden Door or from Forbidden Door, I guess, this in this case. So, yeah, that sucks. But, um, so, yeah, that, because I was look, so hyped for that match, I mean, when the bell rang and everybody went fucking nuts when they were just all standing there, like, I was ready for, you know, five-star, four-way match, which probably has never happened before. But that was a good chance for it to happen. And it just... The way it it really kind of sucked for me. Um, The undercard, as far as the pre-show, while they were solid, it wasn't anything that I was like, especially the, I understand why they had Archer come in and beat Nick Camarado to build him up for the G1 because he's representing AEW now in the G1 or whatever. Um, But, I, I mean, one, it went longer than it should have. If you're trying to build up Lance Archer, it shouldn't have taken them that long to beat Nick Camarado. I don't care how big Nick Camarado is. And two, it didn't really do anything for me as like, if you're going to throw a secret match on there as a surprise, it needed to be, you know, something a little bit better as far as, hey, the fans are going to pop for this type deal. I didn't end up seeing that one um, because I was um, in line. So after the Goto tag... Uh, I went up to the concession stand and um, didn't get back from the concession stand until that match was over. So, did not see that one. Um, the other thing I will say to your seat thing is, I said that on the show when we went live. I was like, I don't know how you're going to do it. Like, I wouldn't like those seats because if I'm going to sit on the floor, it's got to be first row, front row. And that's, I'm never going to pay that much for a ticket because my salary doesn't allow that. <laughs> so, right. um, I, always get, I literally always get the first I, I literally always get the first uh, the Angle first section. leveling thing the first yeah. incline basically but I try to get it you can get the best part about those is it you can 
get any of those and you can see throughout the show without having to strain your neck or look around or stand on your chair, etc. A lot of those seats, you can't stand on chairs because they're the kind that fold up or whatever. So people aren't going to be able to stand on them anyway um, because they're plastic and there's mm -hmm. a weight limit on that kind of shit. And you're putting all your weight on it. So, um, so yeah, I like those seats better. Uh, I've always liked those seats better, actually. And it, and I'll get the... I, usually the first seats that I look for are the very first part, like right over where it stops being floor seats, and then try right. to get as close to that as possible. So, like, say, say the seventh row was the last row in the floor seats. I'd be getting row eight, the very first incline of the thing, so I could see over everybody and nobody would be in my way. That's where I would normally look first. And it's still so close. I mean, when you take pictures, it looks like you're actually a lot further away than you are yeah. at a wrestling event. But um, but it's still worth it. Like, I'm not there to, you know, be Paul Heyman from 1972 yeah. taking photographs. So... I don't really well, care. I was but... trying to tell people too. They were like, "Oh, like how many pictures did you take?" I was like, "I took like five. I, I definitely didn't take a lot. Um, I took one of Miro and Al, uh, Malachi Black standing in the ring. I tried to get one of Pack holding the belt, but he had already moved away from facing us by the time I tried to take one. Um, I got one of uh, Claudio um, in a submission with Zach while Zach was hanging over the rope because they were both facing us. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't take a lot. Uh, I didn't take any of either of the main events. I just, you know, I was so busy actually watching the show, but everybody fucking around me, of course, holding up their goddamn phone, recording shit the whole time. There's a girl in front of me who literally like held up her fucking phone and was recording shit for Snapchat, like for entire matches. I'm like, bro, nobody's going to watch that shit. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Just watch the goddamn show. It's so annoying. Yeah, I, don't, I don't really I, understand I don't that. Get I mean, that how big is your audience on Snapchat that it's really going to matter that you're yeah. videotaping well, like for, what, two yeah. people? That's the thing, too. She was, it's not like she's getting a fucking ton of notifications or anything. So she, It's not like, you know, a bunch of people are hitting her up about it. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get people who do that shit. Or, like, people even who record it. I, the only thing I recorded the whole time was when I knew uh, Claudio was about to come out. Because I was like, okay, like if it's Claudio, that'll be a cool pop. But if it's somebody else, then you know we'll hear everybody else around us go. Oh. Or if it's somebody like real fucking weird, maybe it'd be you know cool, whatever. Or I mean, and there's always cool. a delete button on your phone yeah. as well. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, never mind. Fuck that. <laughs> if it was Johnny Gargano. Um, All right. So anyway, right. Um, I gotta ask, what did your guests think of the show? For everybody that's watching who's not an avid wrestling fan. Okay, so I did bring somebody who doesn't know shit about wrestling. Um, like last minute, I still had the second ticket open that was an, like originally was supposed to be yours. Um, and I was like, you know what, fuck it. Like I'll I'll invite somebody to come because they're not super far away from Chicago, whatever. Um, and this is somebody I've known for you know ten years, whatever, but never got them into wrestling. Did get them into anime somehow, which I don't even fucking like that much, but never was able to get them into wrestling. And um, she uh. She had a really good time. She liked all the matches. She really liked the Osprey-Cassidy match. Um, that was the one that apparently was her favorite. I did get her to watch the Countdown show before the show. So she kind of had like a vague idea of who everybody was and what was going on. Um, but the Cassidy and Orange match, or the Cassidy and um, Osprey match <clears throat> was her favorite, but she actually really liked Osprey more. 
So everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, Cassie's so sympathetic, whatever. No, she was fucking crazy about Will Ospreay. She thought he was hilarious. Doing little, putting his hands in in Cassie's pockets and pulling out the middle finger shit, like all that kind of stuff. Like, she she thought Ospreay was the best on the show. Um, she wasn't, I thought she might be more into the women's match, but she wasn't. I, I don't, I mean, let's be honest, it was, out of every match on the show, was probably the weakest one. If we're not counting, you know, buy-ins, as I didn't see. Were you were you shocked? A little detour here before I forget. Were you shocked that Thunder Rosa was? It was. I mean, it was pretty one-sided if you think about it. Tony Storm really never had any near falls that you really thought she was going to win. Does that make sense? Also, that kind of that finish came out of nowhere as well. I think, but I just felt like Thunder Rosa got a lot of offense in and one clean and all this other stuff over Tony Storm, and I'm sitting there like. That's not what we were expecting at all. I mean, we po- we both picked Tony Storm to win, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about in general. Like, I'm okay with Rosa retaining. You thought I'd be more competitive. Thought, like, Ro- I thought it would be a lot yeah. closer than that. Yeah, I did too. I I did think that was weird. Um, I didn't know if it was like a an audible or something, or like the match was supposed to go longer. I had no idea. And and the I think the reason that the finish felt so sudden was because it was. Dustin's finisher, not her own normal one. Um, so getting the pin off of it felt a little bit weird. Other than that, though, I mean, I guess. I mean, it wasn't, it, it's not like it was totally one sided or anything. It did occur to me at the time. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that was shorter than I thought it was going to be. And also, I thought, I, I definitely thought that there would be more hope spots for Tony, at least. But yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a bad match or anything. It was just really the weakest one on the card. Do you feel like the match? would have had a bigger impression on the guests that you brought if it was a classic babyface versus heel match? Like maybe if Rosa was going no. against a Britt Baker instead? No, I think what would have, I think what would have had a bigger impression is if there was more uh, character between so the So more two like a Jade Cargill if she walked out. Right. Yeah. I think that she would really like Jade Cargill just based on like the stuff that she ended up liking. She liked Jay White a lot. From watching the countdown thing too um and you know jay white's got a lot of personality yeah and always uh, in character so he knows what he's yeah, doing yeah exactly. he knows what his character is yeah right um she didn't really care for the um uh the three-way tag the um united empire and ftr and, and rapongi vice one um but I think a lot of that is obviously not knowing who any of them are. Um, so even when Dax came back out, she's like, oh, cool, the guy's back out. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why everybody's screaming. That's right. Um, so, it, like, a lot of stuff she didn't realize was supposed to be a big deal that was supposed to be a big deal. Um, and I don't know if that's AEW's fault or just, like, a wrestling thing in general where you kind of get trained to learn, like, it's kind of like playing video games if you've never played a video game before. Like, uh, when you see something that's, like, glowing on the ground, you if you've never played a video game before, you might be interested in it and, like, know that something's up, but you don't know that's the game trying to train you, like, this is how we show you that this is something that you're able to pick up. Um, and it's the same kind of thing. Like, there's little cues that you get from being engrossed in any medium over time that is, like, shared across the medium uh, that if you're not familiar with the medium, you have to learn for the first time. Like, a uh, little mental training stuff. So... Yeah, I thought that was interesting. 
Um, the, 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 the most interesting to, thing to me so far is that her favorite match is between two guys that a lot of e-drones and casual fans don't get. Don't like. Yeah, no. Yeah, they don't um, get Orange Cassidy. They don't get Will Ospreay. And that was her favorite match. I find that to be interesting as well. I mean, I think that works out for Osprey and Cassidy too, because their styles are so drastically different as far as in ring stuff, even though they're both, you know, speedy, fast guys that can do a lot of shit that others can't. But as far as like character work and stuff, they're completely different. One's super intense and fucking going a hundred miles an hour. And the other one is fucking uh, saving all his energy on purpose and doesn't give a fuck type deal until he wants to give a fuck. Um, so yeah, I thought that's, I thought that was pretty interesting when, you said that was her favorite match out of the night. She liked Tanahashi, but everybody likes Tanahashi. Who doesn't like Tanahashi? Right, I know. Tanahashi's oh, great. Yeah, yeah. And if you got oh, her yeah. into anime, then of course she's going to like Tanahashi. I know. I, to, I should send her the video of... Um, you remember... Uh, you remember... Um, I, I don't know if you ever saw it, actually, but Tanahashi did this thing with some Japanese TV show. They do like kind of like Make-A-Wish, but you're not dying or anything. But like they just fulfill like one wish for like a, a random person. And there was this woman who was who really wanted to have a match with Tanahashi. Do you ever see that? So she like makes her own wrestling character and all this bullshit, and she's just like so goddamn shy and embarrassed the whole time. So he actually like, showed up and had a match with her, or whatever. Yeah, it was good. I I should try to find it, but yeah, that shit's great. But everybody loves Tanahashi. By the way, um, speaking of uh, Japanese wrestlers that everybody's into, I mean, how fucking cool is Okada, bro? Like. Like, legit, just walk into a fucking room, command the room, literally doesn't have to do shit, just how cool he is. And then, you said you watched the scrum, like, how good he came off in the scrum, too. Like, yeah. how nice he was to everybody, you know, how appreciative he was. The answers he gave were a lot more uh, Americanized answers than I was expecting. Be you mean as based based like off of what other guys say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And then, uh, you know... Uh, I was really interested, and I was like, we were watching the scrum, and I looked over towards Christina, and I was like, after AJ is awesome, asked their question, I was like, oh, I don't know if he's going to answer that, because right. in Japan, I did the that same shit thing. is I was fucking, like, that, yeah. kayfabe is still like, legit over there, right. and I was like, oh, and he answered it really fucking well for this kid, and I'm like, okay, Okada's a fucking, a fucking star, honestly. What I would have, what I said the exact same thing when we were watching. I was like, he's not gonna answer that, like, because you're not supposed to acknowledge that you're talking. Um, and then I said, well, maybe he could answer it like, um, trying to set up cooperation or whatever with Hangman in the middle of the match or something like that, like, um, and spin it that way. But no, I mean, it was his answer was fine. And then that was hard to explain too. Um, I didn't even talk. I didn't get into that. Obviously, the match and the show and all that stuff. Uh, having somebody that's not super into wrestling watch that was one thing, but then we were watching the media scrum because I was like, "Oh, let's go get some fucking pizza and we'll go back to the, um, we'll go back to uh, the hotel or whatever, and then we'll watch this post show shit." And we were watching it, and Jay White's the first one to come out there after Tony Khan had been talking for a little bit, and she was like so fucking confused. She's like, "But Tony Khan was just talking like it was all not real, and now Jay White's out here acting like everything's real again," and then. You have the next person come out who's back in that in between point. Um, and that's literally the difference between New Japan and AEW, right there. There, because if that if that gets shown on New Japan World, right, Jay White has has to keep kayfabe alive. He's right. always in character, and some 
people like MJF and Jay White are always in character. Um, I saw Jay White do a, a media thing leading up to the event with a news station. He was in character the entire time on that. I mean, he was a little bit nicer there than he was on the AEW scrum, but yeah, he was still in character. Uh, so yeah, that's the difference right there. Like, um, the AEW wrestlers, for the most part, the ones that they have on the media scrum, they know that we know, right? There's no, I mean, that's what the scrum is for. We'll ask questions that are kayfabe related and we'll ask questions that are behind the curtain, a shoot type deal. And that's what I love about the media scrums because you can have a Jade Cargill or Jay White come up there and be in character. And then you can have a Jericho or a fucking Moxley come out there and then give you like real shoot answers as well. But it doesn't, it doesn't ever feel like uh, they're, killing the business basically when they answer these questions either they they will they will shoot a little bit but they will only go so far too yeah um so like i feel like was... if eddie kingston did a scrum afterwards he would be in kayfabe the entire time as well yeah um he might talk a little bit about booking as far as like how a match originally got set up maybe but yeah i don't I, he definitely wouldn't do a lot of the shit that a lot of them do jericho's the worst about it jericho does it to a point that i don't even like where he's just like straight fucking like oh yeah we came up with that like three months ago and you like blah, blah, blah. I'm like bro come on man i think like, a little, that has to do with his podcast a bit. too i think because he's been doing his podcast so long and been talking about shoot stuff constantly and constantly he just throws it out there and because he's one of the guys backstage that have a big influence on storyline and creative and stuff like that. So yeah. I think that's why he does that. And also if it involves him, I think he's more willing to say it than if it was to involve, like if it was, if they were talking about uh, Cesaro's appearance or some shit, he wouldn't have said nothing behind the scenes about that type deal. But if it's right. about something that he's actually involved in, in that moment, then that's probably why, because he had probably, you know, 50% to do with it. Honestly, it was probably him and Tony Khan coming up with it. So, I mean, I get what you're saying. I just think, uh, as long as it sticks with just what he's doing, somebody asked him a question about what he's doing. If somebody asked him a question about, Hey, uh, what do you think about Moxley winning the title or whatever? And he goes, Oh yeah, we talked about Moxley winning the title even before he won the title. Then that, then I'm like, okay, yeah. uh, nah, but if it stays with just the stuff that he's involved in, then I'm okay with whatever he says. Ain't no big deal. I mean, it had already happened, so I'm not too worried about it. And some people need that shit pointed out to them, just so you know, as we've seen. Not us. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. knew. I mean, he said that, oh, yeah, y'all should have saw that, like, uh, two months ago. We did. Some of us did see that two months ago. I mean, there's a lot of people that didn't, and those are the people that probably aren't even watching the scrum anyway, so I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know what else was, was interesting when I was at the show? Um, so obviously we're used to little segments and cutaways where somebody's like standing in the crowd and all of a sudden starts talking down to the person that's in the ring or whatever. But she thought it was so fucking like weird when Hobbs and Starks came out. Like weird in a good way. She's like, oh, there's people over there. There's spotlights on them. Yay. I was like, yeah, they do that. Um I was like, yeah, that's uh, two other guys. They'll they'll probably talk for a little bit. And she thought Starks was really funny. Um, but yeah, the Sting thing was confusing in the arena, by the way. I, we had no idea what the fuck was happening. It was very weird. Because when we turned around, obviously we saw Sting up there. But then by the time we got turned back around, we a lot of us didn't even see the fucking jump uh, off the stage or anything. 
So that was real weird. We, I, I think we all realized that he didn't come out. Um, but yeah, the whole showing up in the back and then jumping off the thing, I, most of us didn't even see the fucking jump. So didn't work as well in the arena as it did on, on TV when I watched it back. So. Other than that, it was a really good show. Oh, she liked Shota Umino a lot too, actually. Marcus Devil May Cry, first time chat from the viewer. By the way, thanks for coming in and uh, chatting with us. Money in the Bank was full of great matches, but the booking is that's basically what your issue was. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. We're actually going to talk about Blood and Guts next, but then Money in the Bank is right after that, and we're going to talk about Money in the Bank as well. Um, I, I agree with most of that men's. statement. I, I agree with most of that. The, men's, the men's Money in the Bank was by far better than the women's Money in the Bank as far as in-ring. Actual match, yeah. Yeah, actual match. Yeah, the for sure. ending and the, yeah, all that. We'll talk about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're, gonna, we're gonna, definitely going to get into that guy. Don't worry about that. Um, okay, so she liked Osprey and Cassidy, which I find crazy to me as far as like, I understand, I mean, I get that she liked Osprey. Let's be real. He's almost like an American anime character, if we're being mm. real. And he does crazy shit that nobody else can do. So I get it from that standpoint. But the Cassidy thing really, and I think it's because they were, like you said, with the with the spots, the different spots that they were doing, I think it, it helps as well. What did she think about, like, when Cassidy was doing, like, the fake kicks and shit like that? Did she like that? Like, did she think that she was got, funny? She, she, like, she, she immediately got it because I had had her watch the countdown show. Okay. So, so, so she's more into, do you, would you say because of the thing with Starks and Hobbs and stuff like that and the match that she enjoyed the most and Tanahashi do you think that she's more uh geared towards the theatrical version of wrestling than she is the actual in-ring product yeah because when I was trying to you know when we were watching like the four-way match for the All-Atlantic and stuff like she she liked the big spots like Clark Connors doing the spear through the table and all that stuff like that but um and she liked like a lot of the interactions like the breakdown and communication between Miro and and black stuff like that like she was like oh cool like whatever. so she's definitely geared more towards the drama aspect of yeah. the of the sport way okay, more I got way you. more into yeah. the storyline i like if you showed her you know ftr versus briscoes or whatever she would probably say that she liked the osprey casting match a lot better um do you think okay so like was she one of those people that are like looking over at you like for instance uh malachi comes out Oh, that mm -hmm. entrance was badass type deal. Like that was cool. Yeah, as fuck. She, li yeah she, liked she liked entrances. That entrance. Yeah, yeah. She liked. She got real excited when everybody else got real fucking excited. So like, if somebody came out and everybody was going fucking crazy, like she was all of a sudden like super. Yeah, it was like an infectious energy type deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like, she went. She lost her shit when Cesaro came out, and everybody lost their shit for like fucking five straight minutes. So like I showed you on the video, what happened with the Cesaro thing was funny, because. Um, I don't know what the fuck we're saying, Cesaro. What happened with the Claudio thing is funny, um, because what I keep happened was. I my shirt and it says Antonio Cesaro. It says yeah. AC instead of CC, so I'm probably gonna mess up this entire show, honestly. The um, so it, it was so funny because the video package hits first, and if you know enough about it, then as soon as you see that Swiss flag, you know exactly what the fuck's going on. Like, okay, it's definitely Claudio. Um, so half the audience, when that flag comes up, start going crazy, but the other half doesn't really get it yet. And then like a few seconds later, then the Claudio shows up on the screen and then you get that second, like much bigger pop. And then when he comes out, like that just gets sustained and a little bit louder. Um, 
So at the first one, I was cheering. And uh, there was like that little pause in between it. And she's like, oh, is that the is that who you wanted it to be? I was like, yeah, that's who everybody wanted it to be. And then the second one, the second pop happened. And then she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So, um, yeah, a lot of it was stuff like that. Like she didn't, she just kind of went with the direction of whatever way the crowd was going. Um, she did, there was one funny thing though. During the Jericho match, um, everybody starts booing Jericho and Sammy or whatever, even though they had just sang their entrances and like with Suzuki being on the same team or whatever. And she she looks at me and she's like, oh, wait, they're the bad guys? I was like, yeah, it's hard to explain, but everybody just really respects them, so they still cheer for them in their entrance and sing their song and whatever, but once the match starts, then yes, we we boo them because they're assholes. So that was uh, interesting, I guess, especially with Suzuki. So. Audio shocked me. I really thought Gresham. Um, yeah, the... Uh, I think we had mentioned at one point on the show the morning of that Gresham was... Uh, some people had thought Gresham might have been um, like one of the, the people since they were talking about, you know, it's, or one of the options since they were like, oh, it's going to be like a, a great technical wrestling match and whatever. And I was like, eh, yeah, maybe, but he doesn't really fit into the um, um, blood and guts match the night after. So then I think we kind of ruled that out. Yeah, the I went nuts for Claudio, of course. Uh, as we stated on who knows how many shows when we were just the audio podcast on Spotify and Anchor, Cesaro was a perfect fit for, for AEW day one. Uh, that's exactly what he should have been doing in AEW. This is the exact type of style and people he should be going against type deal. We've been wanting Claudio in AEW for a long time now, so that was awesome. It was like the perfect uh, thing. The scrum afterwards when Tony Khan uh, took us back behind the curtain a little bit and said that he actually already had Claudio signed before Brian got injured, that mm -hmm. was pretty crazy to me. Um, also, it was crazy to me that he was thinking about debuting him at Ring of Honor, which I thought would have been a big mistake, honestly, but yeah, I'm glad um, it worked out this way. So the other thing, too, is you can kind of tell that the spot at the end of the pay-per-view is where he was supposed to debut. So when they're doing the, the big fight at the end of everything, and then there's, like, the, sex, the, the, the part where basically Jericho Appreciation Society has the upper hand, um, and then Claudio comes out and clears the ring, that was pretty obviously, to me, supposed to be where Claudio debuted. So... Because Brian got injured, he wasn't in that little aftermath of the show coming down to save Moxley and Tanahashi when Jericho Appreciation Society runs out, blah, blah, blah. And then Claudio debuts, crowd goes crazy, everybody goes home happy, whatever. Um, so they ended up having to use him in the match, but then they kept the same exact segment for the end of the show is what it felt like. Yeah, I agree. Um, what do you think about... Um, I mean, we we both picked Claudio on the prediction show as well. Right. So, I mean, Claudio was really... It was Claudio or bust for us, honestly. So, I get the Gresham. I get the Garganos. I get why people were picking them. But with the way that Gresham had just been on Rampage, hyping up a match with uh, Brian Cage and Tully Blanchard Enterprises or whatever, there was right. no way it was going to be Gresham, in my opinion. 
it had to be it had to be Cesaro because he had to be in blood and guts. The Jericho Appreciation Society had to take him as a legit threat, and you also had to have him go against Zack Saber Jr. So and there like, had to be some kind of history that made sense if he was going to be part of the BCC Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, exactly, and also he was going to be a part of the stable. So it made no sense for it to be Gresham or Gargano because Gargano comes out there, yeah, he gets the nice pop, but. Why is Jericho Appreciation Society scared about Gargano being in blood and guts? Right. Why, the why other are thing... they scared about Gresham being in a, in a match that doesn't fit his style at all? When Cesaro comes out there and he's literally the number one entrant into blood and guts, everybody's like, oh, shit. Especially when the other one is Sammy. You're like, oh, he's going to fuck Sammy up. And that's exactly what he ended up doing, too. So, like, it had to be Cesaro. It had to be uh, Claudio, honestly. If you ever, if you read or listened to mox's book too and he talks about claudio like every other fucking chapter <laughs> so like he's this is a joke claudio told me whatever so it was um to me i was like yeah it, make, it would make a lot of sense um just the way that brian's talking about it the fact that they all have a personal relationship with each other um, and his regal's last match and regal actually said I don't know if you watched the Renee podcast with Regal a while back. The last question that she asked him months ago was, you know, what should what should Claudio do? And Regal's like, Claudio should just be Claudio. Claudio, and then went on this whole like, you know, ten minute explanation of how good he was and like how he could literally work anywhere and do really well, and he's so good and blah blah blah. So I mean, it was it was pretty obvious to me. Um, I think that anything else would have been a, a huge mistake. So. You fucking with like the frames for the No, I'm topics? fucking with the things so I can get Marcus's fucking chats on the damn screen and I don't know why oh, it crapped it. out on gotcha. me. Yeah, it worked um, on Sunday. That's real weird. Well, we'll fix it next time. I got everything except for this one thing I gotta type in. Just keep going. Uh, what else? What else did y'all like about the show or whatever? I uh, didn't like the fourteen dollar fucking beer. Um, luckily, I don't drink beer, so it wasn't that big a deal. But Jesus Christ, and that was more of a United Center thing. Uh, the United Center too. You were asking about the chairs. Um, I was like just out of the rows to get those. Apparently, I think it was like first five. Oh, fuck. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, no, not really, because what was I going to do with that? It's not like I was going to take it you on You ship plane. one of them to me. That's what you do. Right. You know, motherfuckers are selling those things for, I mean, they sell for like $400 minimum. Like, you just go to look, go search on eBay for fucking pay-per-view chairs. Like, that's how people keep going to all these fucking events. Because <laughs> they just sell yeah. it and get all their money fucking back. You get that first one. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you got to do. Pay for that first one, and all of them will pay for themselves. Um... Yeah, going for about three ninety nine. Oh, right. I should actually check to see. There we go. There we go, guys. Sorry about that, Marcus. Let me expand this out a little bit. There we go. That's a little bit better. 
Stop breaking your shit. I don't know why it just crapped out on me out of nowhere. Like, it was working fine. And then I went to finally use it for the first time because we finally got somebody in here not spewing nonsense. All right, there we go. Sorry about that, Marcus. But yeah, um, let's go ahead and talk about this one. Orange shut a lot of people up after that match. I agree. I think they kind of already shut up, but then, like, when he goes for a long time without continuing it, People will like forget about it and it's almost like a reset because there's a lot of people that shut up after the Jericho match. There's a lot of people that shut up after the Pac match. There's a lot of people right. that shut up after the three-way with Pac and Omega. But then when he goes for a long stretch of not doing anything, people start to talk about it again like they totally forgot. So yeah, of yeah. course, when he gets into the ring with one of the best wrestlers in the world, Osprey, of course, they shut up again because he shows out again. So that's a, it seems to be a common theme with Orange Cassidy, honestly. All right, so let's move on. Your favorite match of the night was? Was it also Osprey and Cassidy? No. Um, what was your favorite match? match? It was probably the, the uh, Atlantic 4-Way. Okay. I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, it just had the best, uh, I had the best outcome for me. I definitely wanted Pac to win. Yeah. Um, had the most interesting character dynamic. Uh, the way that they even ended up booking it in a way to get the crowd behind Clark Connors, of all fucking people, for a little bit. Ended up being really interesting. Um, yeah, I I think that was the the best match of the night for me. I thought the the three um, the three way tag probably would have been pretty high up there too if they didn't have Dax leave for like half of it because that was technically speaking like a really good match too. Do you think they only did um, that just for the baby fo baby face pop? Like that was literally. I mean, they didn't I, really need that, right? They're so over. They didn't need that. It did. Extra no, it seemed like he actually fucked something up because it was like right after he dropped for that elbow. And that's such a weird spot to do like a fake injury angle on. He was the one doing the move. Like he dropped down and elbowed. I think it was either Rocky or Trent. I don't remember. But like immediately after he did it, he like he yelled and then had Doc come over and then just like slipped out of the ring and they didn't fucking explain anything or anything. And his left. Um, on rewatching it, on like the televised version of it, they definitely kept the camera on it a little bit more than I expected them to, but also they kind of had to because um, there's nothing else fucking going on. What were they going to show? Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that he might have like dislocated it or done something to it, jammed it, whatever the fuck, and then they had him go back, and then they were like, okay, like let's, let's do something out of it. Um, but, yeah, they definitely didn't need it. I don't, I don't think it was like a planned thing though, because the match can't, the match definitely seemed to get derailed for a couple minutes after. Um, it wasn't just like a planned hero spot or whatever. So uh, they didn't need it, but I also don't think it was on purpose. It didn't seem like it in the in the arena or rewatching it. So okay, let's talk about obviously blood and guts. Let's move over to blood and guts. We can talk about FTR out the gate on that too. They were the secret opponent or uh, partners for Danhausen. How cool was that? That was pretty sweet, right? Guys, I was not expecting that, honestly. Some people who could wrestle. <laughs> yeah. They yeah, can they can wrestle. they can kind of wrestle. They're pretty I think they're pretty good at wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that was funny as fuck. Yeah, as soon as I, that and you you tell how you can definitely tell how effective that um that theme is, too. So as soon as that music hit, like everybody lost their Yeah, shit. I mean, like, okay, so it went from, like, half the people not understanding and I'm like, oh, this is the worst theme of all time, and the other half is saying this is the greatest fucking theme of all time, to now when the theme hits, motherfuckers pop like crazy. It, it's going to be, I think, in my personal opinion, it's going to be very hard for them to go back to being heels anytime soon, if at all, because they're so respected yeah. now. I don't, yeah, they would have to do, 
They'd have to really beat down like a well-beloved babyface team and then cheat to win their belts and their whole little belt collector arc. That's the only way they could do it now. Um, maybe if they after they lose all their belts, they could... I have no. I don't even know how you would book that, but there's ways to do it. It's just all right. Let's be talk really, about yeah. It'd be real hard. Let's talk about blood and gut. So we had that match. It was really good. Um, then you had uh, the women's match where Tony Storm got her win back against. Uh, well, I mean, not back, but she rebounded from her loss at Forbidden Door. I should say. Uh, yeah. So she wins against uh, Nyla Rose. Right. And then, or was that Rampage? That wasn't Rampage, Rampage right? Was that Blood and Guts? It wasn't Blood and Guts. It was Rampage. It was Rampage. Only women's, okay. only women's match from Blood and Guts was the Layla Gray and... Um, yes, okay, and Cargill. Cargill one. Yeah. Okay. And then looked like Layla Gray was going to join the baddies and take Red Velvet's spot while she's out with injury, but then they basically said no. <laughs> and Stokely Hathaway had no say-so in it. So, uh, so she saves her after the match, but then it ends up being turning into nothing. So... I like Layla Gray, though. She, she was good. And then you had uh, one other match, too, um, before you had Blood and Guts take up the entire second half of the show, which was good, by the way, because Blood and Guts was fucking nuts. But, there was uh, the Luchasaurus Serpentico one. Yeah, I mean, they well, had... no, that might have been the second match, actually. There might have been another match. No, was, was it the first Cassian... match? What was the first match? Orange, Orange Cassidy and Page. Yeah, Cassidy and Ethan Page. That's right. Okay, so they did have a decent amount of matches then. Okay. But yeah, yeah. the second, basically the second half of the show, the whole second hour was Blood and Guts. Uh, Cassidy and Ethan Page did really good. Uh, the Luchasaurus turn was something I really wasn't expecting, honestly. Not gonna lie. I was thinking more like it was just gonna be straight up Christian versus Jungle Boy. Right. I definitely was not expecting the Luchasaurus to, and if he did turn, it was gonna drop the dinosaur gimmick, not make it an evil dinosaur gimmick. So that was interesting. I'd like to see where they go with this. Um, see if it's a big old swerve on Christian or to see if Luchasaurus is actually going to go single heel now or if Christian is just going to be his manager and try to ride him to the top and take credit for him now or something like that. I don't fucking know what they're going to do with it, but it's interesting to see what they do because I was definitely not expecting that. I mean, I don't I don't think they have Luchasaurus straight up turn on Jungle Boy, though. You think it's, I mean, it's going to be what, like a Kane thing where he's like fighting fighting against himself like do i go with my partner or do i go with this new guy that has also been here I feel like, like i could be more successful with or whatever yeah i don't yeah, know i mean maybe. they can drag it out longer because we don't know how long jungle boy's gonna be out right either so i don't know but uh let's start by blood and guts it was obviously the match of the night it was probably my favorite blood and guts match so far um yeah fun too besides Santana the getting thing, hurt, but yeah other than besides that. santana getting hurt what, what are we thinking about this uh about this blood and guts and the outcome was it the right outcome do we go straight into eddie versus claudio now or do we go eddie versus jericho one more time so he can finally get jericho to fucking tap out what what do you think they do here i mean he already had him tap out in their first match that's how he won so i don't i don't i don't know if that's the story um i thought he knocked him out i thought i gave him two of the spinning back fists to beat him i thought it was a pinfall i'm pretty sure it was pinfall I'm pretty sure he tapped him with a stretch plum, but I'll I'll look. Did he? He might have. He might have. Then why would he want to have made him tap out so bad on this one then? To the point where he was getting pissed off. AEW Revolution, blah, blah, blah. Kingston was able to lock in a stretch plum and Jericho tapped out for the win. Yeah. Oh, so then, I, then it doesn't make any sense why he just had to have this win so bad. But it's clearly going towards fucking Eddie Kingston versus Claudio, right? 
Yeah, eventually. Um, and then you can have the whole Moxley little wrinkle in there, and or him just be like, "Hey, that's your shit. I don't care. <laughs> that's your problem. Y'all handle that amongst yourselves." Oh um, yeah, Moxley's definitely gonna play the guy in the middle that doesn't give a fuck either way. Honestly, right? And just, yeah, he'll, sort this out amongst he'll yourselves. Break it up. I'm not he'll break it up for about thirty seconds. I'm like, eh, you know what? Fuck it. Work it out. It's gonna be one of those things where like, yeah, you're my friend, but you don't like uh danielson you don't like claudio so you can't be in bcc because we're not about fucking having drama and bullshit in the in the in the group this is all about taking care yeah. of fucking business and being on top so i think that's where they go with that unfortunately for uh, eddie kingston but uh the other thing that doesn't work out in eddie kingston's favor is uh the news that sean ross was reporting that there's a rift backstage between santana and ortiz and that santana is on his way out of AEW soon I didn't see that one. That's weird. Yeah, it's well, it was it was shocking to me too. Um, Santana's been taking a lot of singles bookings outside of AEW, and the rumor is that he's not planning on resigning. Um, in September, oh. I believe is when his contract is up, and that there okay. is some tension between the two Ortiz and Santana backstage. So that's gonna suck because with the trios titles coming up, I thought Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful would have been a prime candidate to be in that division and possibly win the titles. That's weird. Hmm. And also, they've never got their tag team title run either, which they should definitely have had already. I thought they should have had yeah. a tag team title run after the street fight with best friends, honestly. Hmm. There has been times where injuries kind of slow down Proud and Powerful, too. I feel like they always get injured right before they're about to do something major as well. And even then, they've still been in pretty much a bunch of major feuds because of Jericho. So it's not like they've ever been out of the spotlight. It's just that they've never been in the title spotlight. It's kind of funny since that's the whole reason Kingston ended up getting them away from him in the first place. That was the whole plot. It was like, oh, you've been hanging around him and you haven't had any fucking title opportunities. Oh, I feel like um, they could definitely use that in storyline if it, that ends up happening. They'll definitely use that shit on TV. Somebody will, yeah. like a Jericho or, you know, whoever the fuck Eddie Kingston's going against. So I hadn't heard the Santana and Ortiz thing. I just looked at it, and apparently it's based on them not really doing outside bookings together, and apparently they don't stand beside each other much on TV anymore. Okay. Yes, maybe. We'll see. So you're saying there's no truth to it? I'm not saying there's none. I'm just saying that's kind of that's a specious fucking argument. Uh, maybe they get, maybe people do know more than that. They're just not going to fucking out their relationship on social media. Maybe. Um. Okay. So blood and guts was amazing. Uh, your favorite blood and guts so far? Yeah, for sure. Um, I there were a couple of weird little booking things in it. I was kind of like, "Why the fuck would you do that?" Um, having Menard go to the top at all was weird to me. Like, I get it for the shot that they wanted to do and the ending that they're trying to book or whatever, but logically, like, why the fuck would you go out there? As you have an advantage in the ring right now. You got two guys up top, and then Santana's out. You have like a huge numbers advantage down in the ring where you could jump somebody or whatever and you're going to Well, the yeah, well, in a perfect world, Santana wasn't supposed to be out either, though. I know, but 
still. Just lots also, of did they, what, Menard was getting his ass kicked so bad, did he even know that Santana was out? Let's <laughs> 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 be real. Did he even fucking know? They're so, they're so fucking good, though. Like, uh, 2.0, Ever Eyes, whatever the fuck. Dude, they, like, they played their part in that match perfectly that's exactly what they were supposed to be they were supposed to be the guys that go in there and be annoying and they'll get the the man advantage on you and then they just completely get their ass kicked at the first sign of any kind of trouble they're getting their ass kicked and they played right. it perfectly dude they were honestly if you watch old war games matches they were the Tolian and arn andersons that's exactly who they were in that match they come in there they if they're if they're fresh and got the man advantage, they're going to be on you. But as soon as somebody else comes in there, they're getting their ass kicked. They're the ones that are going to be bleeding. They're the ones that are going to be taking all the fucking uh, finishers and shit. Like, they played their bleeding. part perfectly. Also, this was like, I want to say this was the first Blood and Guts match that involved 12 people or war games. It was six on each side instead of five or four on each side. So I thought that was interesting as well. And it actually ended up working out. And I thought it would have been... I, even though it was the best blood and guts match to me personally, could you imagine anybody topping it if Santana would have never got hurt? Like that was six on five, and it was still my favorite blood and guts match. Imagine yeah, if Santana like, didn't get hurt. No, bro. Uh, you, you do the exact same thing, the same uh, same BCC Kingston team, but then the other six that you have is Death Triangle and House of Black. You know what I thought would have been cool. Mm. is if uh, Ortiz would have cut off Jericho's hair in the middle of that match. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. he still had a, he still got his hair cut anyway. Right. That, I thought that would have been fucking great. And then uh, Jericho comes out the next week with a wig and be like, yeah, I grew my hair super fast because I'm a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> I just wear wigs. <laughs> I thought that was fucking hilarious. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Blood Guts was really fucking good like i can't believe they gave that to us free on tv honestly and fucking detroit was a crazy crowd too they loved that shit and they were you know marks enough to know the we the people history i guess so there you go um the we the people chant was pretty funny the you know, my favorite spot of the match show was fucking eddie kingston coming in with the kendo stick and literally just like beating through everybody with a stick until he finally got to jericho and jericho can't get out and then he gets beat with a stick too like very simple. I, I, I'm trying to figure out was fucking Daddy Magic supposed to not back down because he was like Daddy Kings was like motherfucker <laughs> you're gonna get out of my way because I'm going to Jericho bro like it was fucking crazy. I was like nah yeah. man after that second hit to the head I would have been like all right go ahead man fuck that shit. Yeah. Even shoot shoot I would have been like no go I'm not doing the rest of this spot fuck that. Yeah. And I oh. somebody had answered or asked a question because they were like. Somebody had posted a tweet and said, I would, I'm very curious what all my non-wrestling fans, because apparently they had a lot of followers, think about Eddie mm -hmm. Kingston, and they showed the clip of when he came in with the kendo stick. And everybody's like, oh, why did the first two dudes just get fucking destroyed by this little light-ass tap? And I'm sitting there like, dude, they were in the match for fucking 20 minutes. The last two dudes that he fucking hit were Daddy Magic and Chris Jericho, who were the latest two entrants. They were the freshest guys. That's why he beat the shit out of them. The other dudes were already in the match getting their ass kicked for 20 minutes. It's not going to take much after I've been getting my ass kicked for 20 minutes for you to lightly hit me with a fucking kendo stick. And I'm like, nah, fuck this. I'm out. I'm going to fall down too. So it's it just showed you how like casual fans view wrestling out of context. Like I feel like if they would have watched the match in its, in its entirety, I don't think that would have been as big of an issue. But watching it where he just comes in and lightly taps these two dudes and they go flying and then he beats the shit out of uh, 
Daddy Magic and uh, Jericho over and over and over and over, and they weren't flying across the ring type deal or getting knocked the fuck out. I thought it was a great spot. My favorite spot, obviously, was <laughs> Claudio on the top of the cage spinning Jericho because that yeah. was crazy. I Jericho is 50 years old. This man has fallen off the top of the blood and guts and now been swung over and over. And even though Claudio is probably the strongest dude we know, it's not a base that he's familiar of doing this on. Anything could have happened right there. And it wasn't like they were in the middle of the two cages either. He was on the edge of the cage. Anything could have happened. Jericho's got some giant fucking testicles to even attempt these two spots at his age, honestly. Like, that's crazy. So that was probably my favorite spot just because of the danger involved. I really liked uh I really liked um the fall from Guevara too. That was pretty cool. Like he just yeah. it was over. He was already knocked the fuck out and all it took was this slight push and he was done. I thought he really no sold the fall really well to make it look even more real. That was crazy. And then I I mean I really liked the uh Darby thing too on Rampage when Brody King had him out choked out or whatever and he and just went, went stay there for a couple yeah. seconds and dropped him yeah both of those falls were really great so those were probably my two favorite uh spots from the match not surprising that they were two the two most dangerous <laughs> yeah i really wish um, the uh spikes would have stayed in daddy magic's head though from the yeah from that contact spot all right let's uh so i mean I would say I would probably give that blood and guts match a f four and a half. And yeah. that's only just because Santana got hurt. Santana injury. And then there were a couple sloppy spots with Sammy. Um, not anybody's fault. It's just, you know, it does take away from it a little bit. Like the, when they were doing the center of the ring or center of the two rings thing with uh, him and Claudio, well, that was kind of messy, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely a good match. All right, let's go on to Money in the Bank. All right, so Money in the Bank was six matches, whereas Forbidden Door was 13 matches. Um, for a premium live event, or whatever the hell you want to call it, pay-per-view, premium live event. Not that. Um, <laughs> premium live event. I fucking there are so many things that was not great with this yeah um is the best way i can put it the, the ending we, to the pay-per-view is what stood stands out obviously um a lot of people slandering shotzi shotzi too which i do not agree with at all saying that she can't wrestle and all this other stuff because she botched a couple things um they're chaotic matches bro shut up one they're chaotic matches two she's we just labeled her as the darby jeff hardy of the fucking group so if anybody yeah. was going to even attempt it it's her so you should be thanking her for fucking even trying this shit, one. Two, she's always balls to the wall like Alita, too. Like, like we see her almost break her neck three times in NXT, bro. Anybody that you talk to that's actually wrestled her, and there was plenty of them that spoke up for her on social media when all this came out, they said that she's, she's a great worker, and they never had an issue with her as far as her ability. She's really good. So, like, this new notion that she can't work is astounding. Maybe she just can't work with your WWE fucking copy and paste uh, 
wrestlers out there because she's trying to stand out and be something different. You ever thought about that? Like, there's plenty of people that have come into WWE and can't find a really good opponent or only can find one or two good opponents. Like a Mystico who didn't want to wrestle the WWE style, but then he could only wrestle against fucking Alberto Del Rio because he was the only one that understood how he wrestled and everything. So, like, he would be, he would have really good matches with him and then fuck up and botch everything against other people. Now you add ladders into that dynamic as well. Like, of course shit's gonna happen, dude. Like, you guys act like no one's ever botched a, in a ladder match before. Raquel botched her fucking big spot where she was supposed to be shown as to be super powerful and pick up both ladies on top of the ladder at the same time. She didn't do that. So, I, I, I don't really appreciate the, hi, the hate towards or the slander towards Shotzi, honestly. But with all that being said, I am glad that Liv won, and I almost picked her on the show. So... We were kind of leaning that way. Actually, I think we both wanted wanted that to happen, but then we both picked different people because of WWE booking and stuff like that. I actually yeah. picked Shotzi because I really wanted Shotzi to win, um, but I did mention Liv at first, and I almost went that way, and I was like, I literally mentioned on the show, I said, at what point do we finally let Liv get over the fucking hump? Because every other time she's gotten close, you completely yank the rug out from under her, and she goes all the way back down. Um, well, they finally gave her... The money in the bank and then 20 minutes later cashed in the money in the bank on rousey after rousey's win against uh, natalia and ended up being the new smackdown women's champion so congratulations to live the other thing is we also picked lashley to beat theory which ended up happening to become the new new u.s champion and the other big development out of that is theory got put into the fucking money in the bank ladder match and they ended up winning now, that's what we're going to focus on i believe the most here um, men's money in the bank ladder match was pretty good but i really wanted rollins to win or a lot of people were thinking mcintyre was going to win even though we already know he set up for clash at the castle so i don't understand why people were picking mcintyre but rollins should have won based off of everything that's been going down storyline wise with his yeah. big adversary now being out for six months so it should have been rollins in my opinion and everybody's like oh rollins doesn't need it so what so who cares? Did Ric Flair need his fucking 13th through 16th title reigns? Did Cena need it? No. Who cares? If they're the best and they're putting on the best quality matches and they're not hurt and they didn't sign a new contract that says I don't have to wrestle anymore, then they should be fucking getting pushed. I don't care. It doesn't make any He doesn't need it. Who gives a fuck? We know I mean, that he doesn't need it. Yeah. But you think the, Theory was a better option because Seth Rollins the, doesn't need it? That's the other thing, too. In your own fucking storyline, Theory doesn't need it. Because if the whole point of the storyline is, oh, well, Vince McMahon is working behind the scenes to help him, then he doesn't need a fucking Money in the Bank contract. He'll just get put in a match. What are you talking about? He'll get put in a fucking handicap match where he's allowed to win via countout and DQ and whatever and win the belt. Like, there's... There's so many different advantages you can get if you're trying to do this teacher's pet fucking storyline that, no, he doesn't need to be put in the match. There were so many problems with this booking, dude. Like, it made no fucking sense to me. First of all, he doesn't sell the Lashley match at all. He loses to Lashley in, like, ten minutes of just getting his ass beat and then loses to the fucking uh, Hurt Lock. He gives up. And you come out and act like you're completely fucking fresh, don't sell anything from the previous match, and then you got seven of your top guys who are fresh who apparently can't do better than you, who just lost the mid-card title earlier in, this fucking ma in, in the night? It doesn't make anybody look good. It is so fucking stupid. 
It was just, it was bad. It was bad booking. It was such fucking bad booking. Can I ask a question? I need to ask a question, dude, because, I mean, this tweet gained traction that I made uh, based off of Phil Lindsay's uh, post from Grapsity. Um, the fucking amount of people. Okay, so, all right. So, first, I want to say WWE had this booked in a stadium, couldn't sell it out, was going head to head with UFC for one of their biggest cards of all time. And you're in the same city, right? You're in the same city. You're in the fucking... I think they were in the same city, right? Weren't they in Vegas, too? Yeah. I mean, that's why they had to move the stadium. Yeah, I think right? they were in Vegas. Yeah, so they, they yeah. went from a stadium to a regular arena, still had problems selling tickets to actual fans, because if you look at the seats, there weren't people in them, or in a lot of them, at least prominent ones, because they were probably bought by fucking scalpers who were trying to resell them. Um, so they didn't get the actual WWE audience inside the building like they wanted to. So even though it's considered a sellout, there were seats that were empty. Then you know you're going against UFC. You've yeah. got people that paid money to come see your event instead. You took off Roman <laughs> Reigns. You took off Roman Reigns, right? So there's no world title match now because he has both of them. You have uh, fucking, uh, oh my God, Cody Rhodes is hurt. Who have been your two biggest draws, and Lesnar's not scheduled to appear on it because he came back for SummerSlam out of nowhere and probably wasn't even supposed to do that. Who actually knows? Right. Might have only came back because Cody was hurt. Who knows? So you've got no Lesnar, no Roman, no Cody, no world title on the card. People came and paid for your event over UFC, who's by far more popular in that city. You've already changed venues to have less tickets. And you thought it was a good idea to send your people home to reward your people with Austin Theory winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. And After you could tell, taking like, a loss. The crowd was so fucking hyped when Adam Pierce came out and was about to announce somebody. Like they were like, oh fuck, like we're, we're being I thought rewarded you were going to be right, cool. dude. I thought Cena was coming out. Yeah, I did too. I really um, thought you were going to be right. I mean, we said that the mystery guy was going to be seen and it ended up being Madcap. But right. when he came out and was adding another person, I was like, oh, fuck, he's going to be right, and I'm going to have to change his fucking pick. <laughs> and then I was, like, trying to find out ways out around it. I was like, oh, well, technically he wasn't the seventh man. He, he was the eighth man. man. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not giving it to him. You know, I was going to find some way around it because if Cena came out, I almost positive he was going to win or at least had a really good shot. So right. I, was like, I was like, I was super fucking nervous. The funniest part about it to me is if you look at the wrestlers inside the ring when <laughs> Adam Pearce announced <laughs> Theory, like, McIntyre, Sheamus, a couple others were just, like, kind of laughing it off. Like, they don't even think theory. <laughs> like, right. that ain't nothing. Like, we thought you were going to say Cena or some shit. You're talking about theory. But anyway, he ends up fucking winning the match and pissing everyone off. If you pay attention to the fans behind theory when he wins, people immediately yeah. leave. I don't, no I don't remember one. the time I saw that. Yeah. No one. He'll face... If it was a six-hour show, no one, at, as soon as the bell rings, leaves. I don't care if they don't like him, do like him. He has terrible go-away heat. No one wants to see him win Money in the Bank. It made no sense for that to be the ending of your pay-per-view. That was the worst possible outcome. I cannot believe that they can tell you on one hand, yeah, we care about our fans, and then you had people that paid money to come see that instead of UFC, and you changed venues on them, and that's how you decided to end your pay-per-view. That shows me that you do not care whatsoever. 
about your fans. I mean, there's never been something I could point to more concrete than that. Yeah, I mean, there's so much in it that just doesn't make sense. So we, I already talked about the stuff where it's like, he's not fresh. He didn't sell his fucking match earlier. Like, it just made everybody in the match look stupid for losing to the guy who just lost the mid-card title earlier in the show. But then also, like, even the angle itself, it doesn't really make sense. So if the whole angle is, oh, well, he's, he's Vince's favorite and, like, Vince is pushing him, whatever, he doesn't need fucking money in the bank for that at all. The entire point of Money in the Bank is like, oh, you that's your guaranteed contract because you couldn't get it by being number one contender or you couldn't get in the match another way, like, whatever. That's the whole point of it as a, like, storytelling vehicle. If the story here is that he's just getting handed opportunities, why the fuck wouldn't he just get handed an opportunity to be in a world title match? It doesn't make any goddamn sense. And then on top of that, like, if the whole angle that you're doing is, oh, this is Vince McMahon working behind the scenes to help him or whatever... Why the fuck would you have Adam Pearce come out and announce it instead of Vince McMahon? The crowd might have liked to see Vince. If that's the story that you're trying to tell, have Vince do it, not Adam Pearce. And then the other part of that, too, is that like if you look at Vince throughout history of his whole character arc and all that shit, he doesn't like losers. So why the fuck is he rewarding the guy that just lost earlier in the show? Even if he's his protege... The Vince reaction to that wouldn't be, oh, well, chin up, kid, here's another opportunity. It's literally fucking, you lost, I'm disappointed in you, I'm moving on to the guy that just beat you. Like, that's how he's been the whole time that he's been a character on the show. So none of it made any goddamn sense. Yeah, well, I don't think Vince could. I, I mean, technically I agree with that to the point of he doesn't want to make too many public appearances. He made his two couple of appearances. I don't know how he often he His Cena. ego is so big, though. Like, he could have fucking came out. It's a PLE. It's, it wasn't like it was on national TV or anything. He had no problem coming out two weeks in a row. Yeah, and he's he, been, he in this, he's been heavily involved Cena. in the storyline with Theory since, what, before WrestleMania, right? So even though you say I don't think Vince could uh, – ch- Chili Bowl, Child Bowl. Sorry, I don't know which one it is. Um, uh, Vince is a big enough narcissist to come out whenever the fuck he wants. He could have came out in the middle of the Money in the Bank match and helped Theory win the match, honestly, if he wanted to. Vince is going to do whatever the fuck Vince wants to do until he's officially fired or put in jail or whatever, where he's physically unable to do it. Like, they are going to bar him from the arena. He's clearly still has enough... Uh, quote-unquote attributes if that's what you want to call them to insert himself anywhere he wants he does not care he really does not care um if you're yeah uh, here's okay but no i agree if, with you 100 percent. there's no reason to have theory lose a match with lashley and then say hey now you have to earn an opportunity if i'm pushing you and i want to throw you down people's throats now you have to qualify uh, a world title match by winning the money in the bank instead of just giving him the money in the bank Right. match so that you can say hey the guy that i was backing is world title material here let me show you by putting him in a world title match so it's completely different from how he reacted with seth rollins when seth rollins couldn't get a match at wrestlemania and then he decided to say i'm going to reward seth rollins by putting him against a mystery opponent he doesn't even fucking know knowing damn well that you wanted seth rollins to lose at wrestlemania when you brought cody back so you're doing the exact same storyline with theory but in reverse and it doesn't make any sense just no consistency ever, dude. Um, the other the other part is it, it completely undermines even having qualifying matches in storyline. So why have all the qualifying matches for Money in the Bank if you're just going to throw somebody in? Just fucking put in whoever you wanted to put in. 
Yeah. Well, None of I this mean, makes sense. Let's be real. This is the same. This is the same people that had Lesnar come out in the middle of a Money in the Bank ladder match and yeah, win. That wasn't even in the fucking match when the bell rang. The one that Ali should have won. I remember. Yeah. So I mean, like, we should be shocked, but at least Lesnar was a credible <laughs> world champion, or has been more. I mean, at least I mean the silver. I mean, they're both terrible decisions, but at least Lesnar had something to go off of. Theory I has love, nothing to go off of. I love the logic too. It's like, hey, we have like a a relatively handsome dude who like takes selfies of himself, and um, that's his whole gimmick. Yeah, totally. We're gonna let him go though, but we got this new guy. He's relatively good looking. You know what his gimmick could be? He could be that he takes fucking selfies of himself. Like, you just had this goddamn gimmick with Tyler Breeze. You didn't think that it worked, and now you're trying to give the exact same shit to somebody else. On the main roster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense, right? It doesn't make sense to me. I want to say they're around the same height. (sighs) I want to say they're around the same height. Tyler Breeze had more charisma. Tyler Breeze was more over than Austin Theory is, obviously. Who is not more over than... X-Pac is more over than fucking Austin Theory. (laughs) Then you got... Uh, currently, <laughs> yeah. But I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you had somebody that was in your system for how long and was got along with everybody, was well respected backstage, helped out everybody else, and you got rid of that person, and now you're hitching your wagon to Austin Theory of all people. Oh, by the way, Tyler Breeze has no allegations outside the ring either. So yeah. I mean, he's got he that going for him too. Tyler Breeze, I don't think was ever Snapchatting a 13 year old, but we'll uh, we'll just brush that under the rug. Really don't care about. Any of this shit. Just in, this in just in the wrestling aspect of things, taking the allegations to the side to the side, I still didn't want to see this. Like I then Austin Theory does nothing for me at all. So yeah. even if the allegations never existed, which I mean clearly they alter my opinion on on him further. Um but even taking that away, separating it, I still didn't want to see this. I would have still had the exact same reaction as everybody in that fucking building did when they left as soon as the bell rang and everybody was pissed that we just had to sit through two or three hours or whatever it was to see Austin Theory with the Money in the Bank briefcase in his hands when he wasn't even one of the fucking qualifiers. Uh, that's got to be just... I feel bad for the people that paid tickets. I'm not going to lie to you. Everybody that paid for a ticket at Money in the Bank, I feel bad for you. Even if you got it at a discount because scalpers couldn't sell them and you got it for cheap, I still feel bad for you, dude. That's so bad. There's no one, no one except Jobber Nation, because he's a fucking idiot, that could literally watch Forbidden Door and Money in the Bank and think that one wasn't a one and one wasn't a ten. There's no yeah. way. They couldn't have been further apart, dude. I'm happy for Liv. Not going to lie. I'm happy for Liv. Um, happy for Bobby Lashley. But other than those two small things, because Lashley's been U.S. champ before, so it's not like he's been held down like Liv. He's been a fucking world champion, too. There's nothing on that card that I'm pointing to besides the Liv Morgan thing, and we're like, yeah, that was worth watching. I'm so yeah. glad I spent three hours of my time watching that. I feel so bad for the people that paid money to that. So bad. I mean, if there was kids that went and they enjoyed it, okay, that's fine. There's no way that any adult went to that and, like, yeah, I had a good time. There's no way. No way. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, when Blood and Guts was over, nobody left for a while. <laughs> we were all just still sitting there. Like, we knew it was the end of the show. They had uh, Negative One come out and do, like, a whole thing, and it was fine. I don't know if that's even... I haven't, I haven't even seen anybody post it or anything, but, yeah, he came out and... uh there was like a whole little segment at the end, but nobody was leaving except for the girl in front of us who was recording shit for Snapchat the whole show. She left. 
um, with her friends. But other than that, like everybody sat there. So I mean, that's uh, you know why y'all sat there because y'all had to fucking process everything that y'all just saw. Y'all were tired. Y'all were felt good. Like you felt satisfied type deal instead of being ran out of the fucking building yeah. with a terrible booking decision. Right. Like they didn't, right, cool. they didn't even have to have negative one come out. Moxley winning sent y'all home happy on the actual pay per view. Some of us. <laughs> did they even have a did they even have a dark segment after money in the bank or because it, there was no one to have a dark segment no. in front of the, the dark segment was the arena it was a, they turned off the lights everybody went home um yeah that was crazy because it was still happening while they were rolling so nobody gave a shit about anything that happened like any kind of post literally as soon as the, as the when bell he was rang, like taking the thing crazy. when they realized he was going to win yeah. maybe even before the bell rang Holy shit, like, look at the fans behind him. It's crazy how fast they left. They were not all happy right. at all. That was fun. Let's get home. Um, yeah, dude. I don't, I've never left a show that fast. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good sign. Great sign. And who the fuck is he going to cash in on? Roman Reigns? Please. He ain't cashing on nobody. I mean, he can try, but if, there's no way Austin Theory wins. There's no way. All right, we got to move hey. on. We got to do some. We got. We're only on third on the third topic here, and we're over an hour and fifteen minutes in. But we are going to talk about these next things probably a little bit faster. Honestly, those were like the three big things that we had to talk about. Of course, we had to start yeah. the show with Forbidden Door, Blood and Guts, and Money in the Bank. But next up, let's talk about Laura Nitus. We're going to talk about. I don't think Vince could, and I'm telling you that he could do whatever he wants. Speaking of, uh, let's talk about this. Laura Nitus is now out on administrative leave and bruce pritchard who is i mean he's better in the sense that he doesn't have all this these this baggage against him but he's like still a vince mcmahon glad handing yes man as cm punk would say uh in his spot so you've got stephanie filling in for vince and now pritchard filling in for laurinitis so it's really not any different at this point um because vince is still in charge of creative and Bruce Pritchard is still, yes, Vince, that sounds amazing. Let's have Austin Theory win Money in the Bank. So do you think this one changes anything? Or do you think this is the, do you actually think this is the end for Laurinaitis? Or do you think that this is just a temporary move and Laurinaitis and Vince are both actually going to get fucking back in their roles at some point? Oh, there, there's no, okay. Shit like this. It's already been, technically, the issue in and of itself has already been settled out of court. So the whole administrative leave, whatever, is 100% just like a PR thing for the board to do their investigation, which is going to say, okay, no, Vince uses personal money, and yeah, it's not appropriate morally, and wasn't okay, and blah, 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 and here's your little slap on the wrist, and then you come back. Like, it's literally just a, no, they're going to be back in their roles, of course. And also, uh, apparently, talent does not like Bruce Pritchard in that role. So... Also, I mean, people didn't like Lauren Ice in the role either. <laughs> yeah, that's true too, but uh, they definitely don't like Bruce in the role. And the other thing is too, the whole, like, Vince is stepping back, Vince isn't making any decisions, he's not, he's not, the, he's not the chairman right now, somebody else is stepping in, Stephanie now, blah, blah, blah. Stephanie wouldn't have put fucking Bruce Pritchard in that role. You, so you know Vince is still the one calling the shots. Absolutely. Um, nah, Stephanie, if, if Triple H could have handled it, Stephanie would have put Triple H in the role. Yeah, as a fucking head of talent relations, absolutely. So, no. And people would have loved no that shit, shot. too. Like, the talent would have loved Triple H being in that role, too. Yeah. So, that, that definitely would have been the way to go if 
like I said, if Triple H was comfortable taking on that, because, you know, every every fucking role in WWE is stressful as fuck. So they already took a bunch of shit away from Triple H. He still has a few things going. So it's not like he would have had all his previous commitments plus then talent relations. Talent relations would have been basically his main thing. So, like, if he felt like he was up to it and Stephanie was actually in charge of appointing someone, it definitely would have been Triple H instead of Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. I mean, do, yep. we, do you think Laurinaitis comes back? We, we both think that Vince is coming back and being back CEO, but, but is yeah. Laurinaitis going to be the scapegoat for Vince? I mean, he can try to... I mean, it doesn't matter. That's the thing, though. It doesn't matter. Legally, they're going to say, nah, it's already settled. Financially, as far as the board is concerned and all that, as long as the funds didn't come from company money, they technically didn't do anything that... I mean, look... What they're going to say is, well, we put her in a different department after she wasn't needed in this department. And if she had a relationship with John Laurinaitis after that, you know, John Laurinaitis shouldn't be, shouldn't be having sexual relations with subordinates, but he didn't rape her. It wasn't like a, it wasn't sexual assault. Like, they're going to completely ignore any aspect of coercion, power, fucking implicit, like, uh, implicit control, anything like that. And they're just going to say, well, he didn't rape her. So, you know, it's okay. Uh, we're gonna yeah, put I mean, back that's a and... big, I mean, a lot of people overlook that, but that's a big thing, consensual relationship. So, like, yeah, Vince was doing some shady shit by paying her and then giving her a huge-ass raise the well, next, you, the next thing. That's a... weird as fuck. But if she agrees that it was a consensual relationship, then if that's going to be hard that for it was anybody to... If she agreed that it was consensual, there would not be a settlement. So when you're talking about consent, there's there's different levels of consent, right? So there's uh, no. From what don't I understand, it was consent. consensual events, but not necessarily with Laurinaitis. Is that what the you're concept, getting to? What I'm getting to is that the concept of consent is a lot more complicated than that in and of itself. Even if she's like, "Well, yeah, Vince didn't rape me," there's still the aspect of he's in a much higher position than you in a company where you feel like. If you don't do these things, he might fire you. And then you're out your 100K, 200K job. So there's like an implicit level of power dynamics there where even if you're agreeing to it on a surface level where you can't say, well, Vince thinks that he raped her, probably not. Yeah, no, I get you. It's like, well, Dennis, I, it's like Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia yeah, uh, on the boat in the lake. They can't right. say no. Yeah, yeah, yes. no, I understand where you're going with it. But the thing that, the thing that I would say Laurinaitis wanted Vince to give her this fucking three million uh non-disclosure agreement is because Laurinaitis was committing an affair because he's with the Bella's mom. So he's a fucking idiot for doing it in the first place. I don't think Vince is paying three million dollars to keep somebody else's well, affairs. Vince secret. doesn't want him out his name out there like that either. Yeah. Um so I mean same thing though. Like then it then you put him in you put her in a different department and it's like, well, John Laurinaitis probably didn't fucking rape her. But if he made a move on her in any way, and then she felt like, oh, if I say no, I'm going to get fired, because this is why I was moved to this department, and there's like an expectation here now, and this is why I make twice what I made when I started, and like, if I don't do it, I'm going to lose my job, and then there's all these other problems, like, that's where the issue is. It's not, you know, they took her to a fucking alley. It's that there's a, there's a level of consent that's, you know, coerced in that situation anytime there's power dynamics well i'm i mean i hope i hope lord Nights loses his job honestly i'm not gonna lie to you i hope he loses his job i hope he gets divorced all this shit he's an idiot um vince on the other hand 
I just need them. I just need them to make him step down, like permanently. Honestly, at this point, like we didn't want. We didn't want WWE to go to a board of directors or Nick Khan or anything, but at this point, it's like, all right, it's time to go, bro. Like, I don't even care anymore. I don't care. I honestly don't care. Can it really get worse than Austin Theory being your Money in the Bank fucking winner? <laughs> Is that what? Like, I don't even. I don't care about the rape. Tired <laughs> of <is> Austin Theory. <laughs> That's pretty fucked up, bro. It's a wrestling podcast, bro. I gotta bring it back to the wrestling. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. Do we really want this man in still in charge? Because oh, you don't shit. know what a fucking what makes a wrestler in 2011. 2010 yeah. or whatever the fuck punk said it's now 2022 um, that's crazy dude yeah it's not great, it's not great. all um, right let's talk about toys let's do it let's fucking you, talk you, about them mlw and i got a really good question for you after the, after we talk about this i want to talk about i want to read the press release about the mlw one the mlw and boss fight games announced a new toy deal uh boss fight studio uh, creator of fan favorite action figures announced today that they, or today, whenever this came out, June 24th, that uh, announced June 24th that they have acquired the license to make Major League Wrestling action figures for the first time ever. MLW action figures and collectibles will be available featuring some of the league's most iconic and popular fighters. Now, that's really cool. Now, what I want to ask you about this before we get into the other side of this uh, this Toy Story is uh, that was weird. Uh, <laughs> that's, I was not, did not mean to do that. Um, this uh, this, to infinity and beyond. These toy, right. This toy news. Um, yeah. yeah so is uh, how much uh, more as far as steps do MLW need to take to actually like overtake Impact Wrestling? How close do you think these two companies are? Are they a lot closer <sighs> than people are giving MLW credit for? I think they're closer, but I don't, I don't know if they're close to taking them over. Like, you got, what, fucking Hammerstone and I have Valkyrie? That's... Well, Hammerstone is... Hammerstone's their biggest asset, and I don't know if... I think Jacob Fatu is still there, too. Okay. And sure. he, the, Fatu and Hammerstone are clearly their two biggest stars. Yeah. And I think Mance Warner is coming back to MLW soon as well. Didn't I just read that He tried really hard to get out of his contract originally, and then... When he, well, first yeah, got, like, he ended he up getting hurt at the same time Danhausen did. That same show, Danhausen yeah. and uh, Mance Warner both got hurt, and they were both rumored to get, be going to AEW. And then I don't know what happened if they just kind of backed out of the deal because they had all those other guys coming in, and it hurt, and it ended up hurting Mance Warner. And now Mance Warner is going back. I don't know. If, it could not even be like a a real deal deal. It could be like an appearance type deal. Who knows? But yeah. I do know that he's actually going to show up on another MLW show. But I think this is pretty big news for MLW. Like. Um, so, okay, so what about MLW to NWA then? Would that be a closer thing? Yeah. Like, does, does the toy thing make MLW higher than NWA right now? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I would think so too, yeah. I mean, if I had to, if I had to give my opinion one way or the other, I would say MLW just jumped NWA, but they're still a little bit away from Impact. Now, if MLW, like, comes out with, like, a video game in the next year or two. Come on, man. Impact had a video game, bro. Come on. Don't be that guy. Impact did have a video game back when they had Kurt Angle and, like, fucking, it was different. Even if it was an app game at this point, I think MLW, like, there's there's other things you can do. Like, if this is going to help open up the doors for other stuff so more income can come to MLW and its wrestlers, I think that's a good thing, obviously, for wrestling in general. But um, good for collectors, good for uh, that company to have another, like, okay, so you'll have basically 
if they keep making those steps in that right direction, it'll be MLW, NWA, and hopefully Impact all at the same time will be if they if NWA and MLW come up to Impact's level, you've got three solid companies right there. And then if Ring of Honor does come back on a weekly basis, I mean that's that's some nice stuff. And everybody was talking about how AEW was killing the indie business or whatever, and WWE was killing the indie business by signing up all these guys for NXT and NXT UK and stuff like that. I don't see it. I think I think it's just as good now as it was. Yeah. And um, I think, I think uh, it, the toy thing is definitely uh, helping my argument in that case. I think that part of that too, though, is that some of those original AEW contracts are coming up and not getting re-signed, which means they're not like poaching the indies to an extent that they were before. So part of that is, you know, uh, that they're not doing the headhunting that they used to be, so now the indies are recovering. I don't think it means that it wasn't true at the time that people were saying that. No, I I agree with that. Um, I, I agree mean, with that MJF totally. Was... Also, also, AEW's helping the indie business by letting them go back to the indies, yeah. and some of them get to stay on hey. the indies while they're with AEW. So you're building up your name and brand around in the indie circuit. So like, you got Alan Angels going to Impact Wrestling right. recently. Or... That's a yeah, big deal. Alan Angels built up his name in, in AEW yeah. and now goes back to Impact, and that makes Impact a little bit better. So, I mean, like, I think it's going to end up helping eventually. And then if he makes another jump forward within character work or wrestling or whatever, I mean, he's already a really good wrestling wrestler, but, like, character work or something, and AEW or WWE wants to bring him back, then they can. But he's still helping out the indie promotions while away. So, like, the Stu Graysons, the uh, Joey Janellas, the... Uh, Alan Angels, stuff like that. I think that actually helps enhance them because now they can go back down and help out guys that we haven't heard of yet. And then, I mean, I just think it's going to basically uh, refuel everything, honestly. I think this actually works out. All right, guys, sorry about that. We are back. There's some technical difficulties here. So uh, I'll have to piece that together and post for YouTube. Uh, no big deal. Um, but we were talking about the MLW uh toy line so let's go ahead and talk about the AEW announcement with diamond select toys they're going to make all kinds of stuff including statues and i've been looking into getting into the diamond select statue game for a while uh my buddy michael who i play fall guy who i played fall guys with a couple of times i mentioned him on the show he's a big wrestling fan uh big supporter of the podcast he's a big statue guy and i mean like and i almost got into it a few times like there was i mean a very close like there was a sick lobo one with like these dolphins or some shit it was so badass it was a sick statue and I, I was like so i've been getting into it and i've watched a lot of statue stuff because of him but i never really pulled the trigger on anything um even saw a couple at work with dr doom and uh batman and stuff like that and i just never did it even though they're only like 50 bucks because the lower tier diamond select stuff with the pvc isn't that expensive but they still look really fucking cool well my my prayers have been answered because I didn't really want to get into another thing, right? So this is a way for me to get into another thing without really going to another thing because I've always been interested in the Diamond Select stuff. But of course, if you are an avid watcher of this or my YouTube channel, you know that I am in huge into figures for AEW. So AEW and Diamond Select toys coming together and creating statues is like my holy grail at the moment. It's almost like, oh my God, I hope these things turn out to be really fucking cool because if they are... I'm definitely going to have a few of them sitting around the house. But the official 
press release from July 1st, um, Diamond Select Toys has long offered the best of all worlds, but there is one world which they have never ventured, the world of professional wrestling. So Diamond Select Toys is going all elite, bringing the world-class talent of all elite wrestling together in a new line of collectibles. And starting this summer, Diamond Select Toys will offer a variety of products based on the stars of AEW, including CM Punk, Sting, Chris Jericho, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, John Moxley, and many more. Categories will include two-inch mini-mates, um, which you can actually see in the uh, picture in the top right, right there with uh, CM Punk and Sting, uh, where CM Punk was rocking the Sting face paint from the Holiday Bash episode. Uh, those are mini mates right there. Um, four inch Vinny mates, or it could have been a Vinny mate, maybe. It's one of those two. It's one of the smaller ones, obviously, the little Lego looking figures. Uh, 10 inch gallery diorama PVC sculptures and 11 inch premier collection statues, which are the two things that I will be focused on. I might get the CM Punk and Sting. Uh, face paint one just because I love that one so much. I almost got that shirt. I don't even know if that shirt is still available, mm. but I really was into that when that happened when him, Sting, and Darby all came out with the face paint. That was really fucking cool. So I might get that anyway just to have it, and yeah. I know it won't cost that much. But uh, the Holiday Bash 2021 CM Punk and Sting is so cool, and it is a Venomate. It's a Venomate one, so it's a little bit uh, taller. They're uh, they're the four inch instead of two inch, so that's that's pretty cool. And then. Uh, the two statues, the uh, the 10-inch gallery diorama PVC are like the ones that I was talking about. Like They're like the $50 statues that you find sometimes in uh, Walmarts now. They've been getting them. And then, the, of course, the 11-inch Premier Collection statues are expensive, but they look really fucking cool. So those, that's going to be really fucking cool. I'm like super hyped for that. We haven't had toys, toy news on this show in a while. Um but yeah, like on my YouTube channel, uh, which you can find at SXE Monster as well, uh, it's got a lot of figure stuff on it. WWE figures, the Elite figures, the He-Man crossover with WWE. I've got some Ninja Turtle crossover WWE ones up here. I've got like a Raphael as Sting, Macho Man as Michelangelo, Leonardo as John, John Cena, and Donatello as Undertaker up here, that first series. There was a second series of that too that involved Ultimate Warrior, but I wasn't able to get my hands on it because I never saw it in... <laughs> in uh in real life <laughs> like actually in person never saw that so yeah. i don't know if that ever actually came out or not i assume it did but i want to say uh i want to say michelangelo or Raphael, one of them two were ultimate warrior but i could be wrong i can't remember off the top of my head but i got the entire first wave of course they've had the ghostbusters crossover they've had the zombies crossover they had the universal monster type deal crossover i've got that whole first set with page undertaker jericho jake the snake stuff like that so I'm like really into the crossover stuff. And yep. uh, I also have like a lot of stuff behind me. You can see the classic superstars, the Impact Wrestling Series 1. I've got a lot of stuff. I really haven't gotten too hardcore into the Funko era of the of the wrestling figures, even though I wish I did because I'd probably have a lot less Funkos. Um, and it would go around with my theme of having this wrestling living room, basically, or this streaming area. But I don't have that many Funkos for WWE. So, but this toy news is insane to me. And uh, with my, uh, the way I've got my cube organizers and stuff, these statues would fit perfectly in them. It looked really fucking good. So I'm hoping these things look good. I really do. Um, I might even pre-order one. If, uh, could you imagine like a Jade Cargill statue? How badass that would look if they well, did I'm it right? That's what I'm wondering. Like with the Diamond Select stuff, uh, obviously I do like really detailed like statues obviously because there's no points of articulation so you could do like a 
a really nice cast or whatever, and then the paint jobs are really detailed and shaded and whatever. Like the Diamond Select stuff for the um, like all the Marvel and the all that stuff. Like it's usually pretty good. Um, but are they doing like a crossover with something, or is it legit just like? See, that's what I'm thinking. So here's the thing: the reason I brought up Jade Cargill is because Storm. is she going to be like in a comic book pose, like a right. comic book looking? Jade Cargill, or is she just going to stand there looking like Jade Cargill standing on the stage? Because that's completely right. different. Like, I need action stuff that is... I don't need them to be really crossed over, but I need them to look like, you know, they're doing... I, does, does that make sense? Like, they need to yeah. be, look, like, in a superhero-type pose, cast-type deal, but not necessarily uh, be completely changed artwork-wise, because you got people like Jade Cargill who doesn't need it, honestly. So, like... Right. But it, but if you take different things from like, for instance, when she came out in the Mortal Kombat gear, if you use that, like that uh, would be yeah. badass. Or the Storm like gear stuff, though, you know. Uh, like, I think those would be cool things. Uh, but like, if you just have if you just have CM Punk statue where he's like looking at his thing with a knee down or something, looking at his watch for the clobbering time, is that going to be enough to get people to buy it? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I don't want I, it to I, look too normal, but I also don't want to look too comic booky. I want it like really middle ground of those two things. I think if they have like a cool like because they do the Street Fighter crossover thing already with um the shirt yeah with the t-shirts right? yeah yeah yeah. And I'm wondering if they have something like along those lines to make it more like a like an uh superhero type thing or if yeah because I don't think they do um I don't think they do like a uh. Like a, a lot of regular people. Thing. Yeah, 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 like all their shit is, yeah. They it's got, like, it's, gonna be, it's definitely like, going to be harder because, like you said, it looks really good because comic book characters are easier to draw than actual people. Let's be real. Right. So uh, imagine what the statue process would be like. So how hard is that going to be to make them look like they're supposed to look? I guess it's the best way I can describe it. Because yeah. you have that with action figures now. You'll get some amazing-looking heads. Like this one right here, this Alistair Black, Malachi Black in front, right in front of me. This head looks really fucking good. Like, right. that looks like fucking Malachi Black, right? But then yeah. you got other heads, and I don't really have any on this wall because I try not to hang them up or I try not to buy them, but there are some that are bad. Like, don't look anything like them. So it's going to be a really hit-and-miss situation with uh, the Diamond Selects, depending on the path that they choose, like we were talking about. Do they really go comic book style, or do they go... Like, you see the Sting in the CM Punk with the Lego, Lego style. Those are cool. But when you're paying a, a lot of money for a statue, right? it can't just be like a regular pose-looking dude that's not doing anything, if that makes sense. Well, have you ever seen the um, the Hot Toys? Like, the super fucking detailed, like... It's not, it's not Diamond, obviously, but, like, Hot Toys is its own brand. They're like really super detailed, like one six uh, figures. Um, if you haven't, you should look them up. But like their Iron Man looks literally exactly like Robert Downey Jones. Like it's fucking crazy. Um, but they have a lot of stuff like that. So I'm wondering if they're trying to do something like more in that vein, where it's just like a hyper realistic kind of statue thing that they're doing, or if it's like a, a crossover. Like yeah, I don't know, man. Um, could be cool though. We'll yeah, see. I'm hyped for it to see how it turns out. I mean, not just because it comes out doesn't mean I'm going to buy it just because it's AEW. So we're, I'm taking the wait and see approach, but I am not going to hold back my excitement. Like I'm hyped for this announcement and to see what 
they could possibly do. And even if they start out with the IRL type statues, that doesn't mean they can't potentially go to a crossover route if they sell well or something like that too. And we don't know how long this deal is for and stuff like that or what they have planned. There's nothing really, really announced on that front. But I don't I, know if you have it in front of you, but it's like the product. It says what the products are going to be, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I named all yeah, the products. So like, yeah, yeah. So it's like the two-inch mini mates, like whatever. Um, the four-inch, the four-inch ones that I have up there on the screen, yes. Yeah. And then you got the ten-inch and the eleven-inch premiere. Now the eleven-inch premiere right. is going to be obviously be more detailed, obviously. Right. And the ten-inch ones are like the ones I said that are in the store. They're like the fifty-dollar ones that still look really cool, but I feel like those are going to be a lot harder to do with a real-life face and scan right. and stuff like that. The 11-inch, yeah. even though it's only an extra inch, they put a lot more detail and stuff into those, and they're a lot right. more expensive. But, I mean, exactly. if the 10-inch ones don't look that good, and the 11-inch one, ones look amazing, I have no problem spending the extra money and getting the one that looks good, honestly. I think they're, the 11-inches that they have in other collections normally get set around, like, 150 So it's not like a, it's not like a Hot Toys buy, because those are fucking crazy expensive. But they're still up there, for sure, for, like, a figure. Um, I don't know what the market is for this. Like, obviously, people like you, um, you know, there's there's definitely collectors and wrestling crossovers out there. But I think, I mean, it's I not think the market is for people that are that were really heavy into the action figures, but they're kind of getting out of hands and they can't fucking afford them. So now you just go ahead and get something that looks really cool. <laughs> one super expensive one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So yes. I can get. Okay. So here's the thing. I got like the first five, six waves seven waves of unrivaled and the first three or four waves of unmatched okay that's a lot of fucking figures mm. now even though i'm very hyped that some of these guys got their first figures ever and i that's why i went out of my way to buy them at a certain point it's like okay i really want to get something that i just really want because i really like that person so right. if a cm punk or a jade cargill statue comes out I can focus my money on that instead of getting three or four people that I'm not really fond on having their figure. Does that make sense? Like something I could yeah. just that way. I'd something that I'm not going to resell type deal. Right. Yeah. And not holding it to resell. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the only, the only statue type thing I ever had was a Thor and it was also a uh, diamond select. And I only got it cause it was like, um, it was that, uh, why the fuck is the name slipping me? It was a place in town here, Memory Lane. Um, and that and was a PBC already, one too, right? That's a 10 inch, yeah, right? And it, yeah. was, it was 10 inch, it was open box. $50. Like, yeah. 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 And uh, like, I've, seen, I had, I've actually seen that one online. I almost got that one for Christina's brother because he's a huge Thor guy. And yeah, I, I actually like, ended up getting, cool. I believe, our Uncle Mark, either Wolverine or Hulk. I want to say it was Wolverine for Christmas uh, a couple years before I left North Carolina. Got him a mm -hmm. Diamond Select one that was. Uh, that was around. I mean, they're all all those ones. The ten inch ones are around fifty dollars, fifty, forty, forty right. to sixty, depending on who you get it from, type deal. And they look they look good, but like we were saying, they're comic book characters. They're easier right. to do. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see where this goes for sure. I'm super interested in it. Let's talk about Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor that Tony Khan mentioned in the. Uh, uh, we mentioned the Scrum earlier, and he announced mm -hmm. that at the beginning of the Scrum before Jay White came on, Death Before Dishonor. Uh, I want to say it's uh, it has the thing up there. Hold on, let me see. Let's see if I can see the the Saturday, July twenty third in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um. So yeah. The Tickets only match right on now sale. that we know about is what Samoa Joe and Lethal, right? Tickets on sale 
Friday, July. I don't know what that says because it's really small, like sixth or eighth or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's July twenty third is the show, and then yeah. it's uh Lowell, Massachusetts. So yeah, it's gonna have to be Lethal Joe, obviously. Yeah. And I mean, it's already FTR is yeah, gonna be defending the Ring of Honor Tag Titles. I'm sure. I don't know who against, but they'll be defending those. Maybe against Tolly Blanchard's guys. That kind of makes sense because Tolly was their manager. Who knows? Um, yeah. I feel like that might be the easy route, honestly. Um, yes, but do you want to bury your new setup that quick too? Eh, I don't know. That's a good. That's a good point too. Um, but you also don't want to take the titles off of FTR, and you want to make the match no. good because it's FTR. So right. I don't know. We'll see. I don't really know what they're working with roster wise for ring of honor for this one hey everybody welcome back to the monster cast still having some technical issues so we're going to go ahead and try to speed run through this real quick and it's going to look really bad in post but i'll do my best uh ring of honor dead by daylight <laughs> close <laughs> close death before dishonor every time i see dbd now i think dead by daylight so uh death before dishonor uh ring of honor what are your expectations for this um pay-per-view compared to last pay-per-view because last pay-per-view we kind of knew that they were going to do a little bit of fan service type deal because it was tony khan's first event taking over but what do you expect for this one do you think we're going to see more of tony khan's vision for the brand or do you think we still try to root some og stuff into ring of honor um i think that obviously you're going to have uh cesaro there since the original plan was to bring him in uh at this event so he clearly had something in mind for him um, I would not be surprised to see him there. Uh, he might use this as an opportunity to kind of build up some of the women's stuff. That would make sense to me, uh, since he's getting a lot of criticism for that not being built up very well. Um, I could see Ruby Soho there. I mean, it's not like, like Ring of Honor did a great job either with the women, let's be real. I, I know, but he could use that as a way to like sort of build up some of the stories or try to start some of the stories or something. I don't know. Um, I could see um, some of the guys that are really popular but not being used a lot like now right now like a lee moriarty or some of the guys that kind of fit in that like whole ring of honor vibe a little bit better than they're doing a lot of AEW appearances right now um well do we think that they're not on AEW more because of the ring of honor thing and he's saving them for that now could be that I feel like or that's could a just thing. Be that he's, he's got so many people that's like yeah well, that too but like, I would not be opposed to seeing Lee Moriarty versus Wheeler Yuta for the Pure Championship at Death Before Dishonor. Something like that. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, I would not, yeah. Uh, so, obviously, the I think the only announced match right now is the Jay Lethal and um, Samoa Joe thing. Because uh, he called him out already, and we're expecting just, you know, him to accept that at some point. Uh, FTR being the champions... You were kind of talking about, I don't know how much that got cut off, but um, yeah, it, I would not be surprised to see FTR versus the um, the Tully team, or at least some build towards that with another match. Uh, maybe they both have matches on the card, and it kind of builds toward that. Don't necessarily want to put them right against each other straight away, because you're just now building those guys up, and it makes sense to have uh, FTR be your, like, your tag team champions in that division for a while. So we yeah, can see... Briscoes could show back up too. I know they're doing the things with Impact now, but I would not be surprised to see them show back up too. Um, Wheeler Yuta is probably going to be there to defend the Pure Championship, obviously. Um, might have some Willow Nightingale, Athena, people like that show up. I think uh, you think he was impressed with Silas Young's performance. Silas Young enough did, to did put him on Ring of Honor, back on Ring he, of Honor rather, I should say. 
Yeah, probably. I, I could see that. Um, he did he did a good job in, in that match. Yeah, against Adam Page. Yeah, it was a good match. Adam Page. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things like uh, Takeshita, where it was like you know you knew who was gonna win, but it was still like competitive. Takeshita would be cool to see on Ring Honor too. While we're talking about it. Well, don't he and Josh Woods have a tag team or a, or had at one point, and then Silas turned on him or something? I don't know. It's been mm, a long no. time. Um, Josh Woods, another guy, probably show up there. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a lot of options to put together a card without it feeling like an AEW card. Um, so that's that's pretty much what I expect to see. A little spattering AEW people, but trying to establish it as its own brand more and more the more of these pay-per-views he does. So. All right, let's go to Logan Paul signing with WWE. Now, this is, uh, this is a big thing on social media, obviously, because he's a huge social media star. I'm not going to act like he's not. Um, also, right. I was very impressed with his performance at WrestleMania, so I, like, I don't right. even have a huge problem with this being a thing. Like, I'm happy that he's taking it seriously enough to actually sign a contract because we said after WrestleMania, he was one of the highlights of the two-night event because no right. one was expecting him to come out there and do as well as he did. It was crazy. He had the cool, he had the cool gear, honestly. He had cool moves. He uh, sold everything pretty well for somebody that's never done it before. Like, leaps and bounds better than other celebrity people, even people that took it seriously. So, like, I don't have a problem with this, especially if he's going to take it seriously. But my main issue is you cut all these people for budget cuts, and you're not going to tell me that you're not paying Logan Paul a shit ton of money right now. So yeah, that's the one issue I have with it. Like, if they didn't release 80 people over the last two years or whatever it was, 100 people over the last two years, this would be even better, better in my eyes, honestly. But the way that WWE is trending, I think, is problematic for the company as a whole but individually i don't even hate the signing i'm not gonna lie yeah the only part, um, the only one that's gonna get in his own way is logan paul right and he seems to be over a lot of the i mean he's he's 27 28 now i think 27 um so he's older than even some of the guys in wrestling he's matured a little bit from some of the stuff that he used to get a lot of shit for um he's obviously like a pretty fucking good athlete as far as the um the boxing stuff that he's been involved in he's like a fit dude when he was at wrestlemania you're right like he did a really good job with that yeah i mean um, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna disrespect will osprey or jack evans but when we had seen him i had made the joke that he like a combination of the two like with the gear and the moves that he was trying to do which was crazy because a lot of these guys that have been in wrestling can't do what he was doing already which is weird it's so weird so he's clearly been a fan of WWE for a long time too or wrestling in general so I thought that was pretty cool too. So I, I feel like he's got a lot of the attributes needed to, and he's going to get the head start too, obviously because of his name recognition. It's just going to be yeah. interesting to see how off or how long it takes for the hardcore wrestling audience, you, me, the people that like AEW type deal, indie wrestling. How long do how long does it take to for them to take to Logan Paul, or do they hate him for? 10 years like Miz before somebody finally put some respect on him. You know Miz what I'm saying? is a good comparison because I, I was actually going to bring this up. He's basically doing the Miz route, but for modern time. So back then, obviously reality TV was the big, like here's an unknown person who you're going to get to know as a person from the way that they're portrayed on this thing. And now you have social media as opposed to reality TV shows, but it's kind of the same path uh, culturally. So anybody that's like, oh, like he's never going to be anything, like he's it's so stupid, they're getting a YouTuber or whatever. YouTuber now is the uh, social and cultural equivalent 
of what a reality TV show star was back when The Miz was saying, oh, I'm The Miz and I'm going to be in, in the WWE and all that stuff. So it's not it's not really that different. So if that's your argument, shut the fuck up. It's not a good one. Yeah, and, um, and I, would, I, would either say, I would even say that this is a better signing than if they were to sign Gronk, who just retired again for the second time in NFL. And he was really interested in WWE and stuff because he had the in with Mojo. And, of course, he's a huge name, obviously. But even when Gronk was there, I didn't feel like he was taking it very seriously because he's a party guy and all this other shit. He's like one of the bros type deal. Uh, Logan Paul seemed to have a lot better grasp on everything that was going on around him in this environment. Yeah. And the other part of this, too, is that he's already you already know he can talk. You already know that he's an entertainer, whereas Gronk is a football player. He's big. He's got the look. He might really like wrestling. He might be athletically good at it, but you can have a bunch of like division one athletes come in and like 90% of them be dog shit at wrestling because you have to have charisma and a personality and the ability to talk and whatever. Yeah. And the thing about Gronk is he has charisma and stuff, but I think he's one of those guys that we were talking about a few shows ago, like he's on commercials and all that stuff, but I don't think that his brand of comedy or charisma translates well on TV to a live audience. Exactly. Um, Like you might want to hang out with him. You might see like, yeah, yeah, he'd be cool to hang out with him. He'd be fun. That's not the same thing as like having a character. Yeah, because oh. he's basically he was basically like Mojo Raleigh. Right. They were pretty much the exact same. Yeah. I play football. I like have fun. That's not a character. You gotta do more than that. So stay yeah, hyped. I yeah 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 stay hyped. Um. So no, I th- I think this could work out really good for them. I mean, you're talking about somebody with like millions of YouTube subscribers built in already. Uh, you know how they are about socials and shit. Uh, he's got billions yeah. of views on YouTube and after Zach Ryder, yeah, so. sure. Now they're all yeah. about it, of course, yeah. You know, and he's been doing That's this smart move, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So I, I think that, uh, I mean, and he's done acting work before, too. He was on SVU. He's, he's done a couple other things. So, like, it's not like he's not familiar with, uh, you know, the creative process. And all. I, I think it, a lot of people are shitting on it because of who he is and because he's got some stuff in his past that's pretty questionable. Um, kind of shitty decision-making and just being a young kid doing stupid-like stuff. But at the end of the day, man, I think it's a good business decision. I think that he's got a lot of potential in the sport. Um, so yeah, I, I think this, uh, this could be okay. Okay. So in the realm of doing stupid shit when you're young, even, even that stuff that he did, obviously we're talking about the suicide force in Japan, right? We're on the same page for that. I mean, I'm sure he's done other stupid shit, but obviously that's the thing that everybody points to the most. Uh, right. we're not, we're talking about a company that just had Austin theory win the main event right. at a PLE. We're talking about a company that hired, um, hired and protected Velveteen dream. We're talking about a company that had Jackson Riker on their roster for who knows how long. We're talking about a company that had uh, 80% of NXT UK in the speaking out fucking movement that all got released. Like, I mean, let's let's pump the brakes on, hey, this kid uh, has issues or past problems or whatever. Like, is nowhere close to what the fuck they're actually... Don't, how about their CEO? How about right now? What he's going through? And Laurinaitis we just talked about. Like... Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on that part. Now, obviously, like I said earlier, the only person that's going to get in Logan Paul's way is Logan Paul. So if something else happens and we can't use the "Hey, he was young and dumb" excuse no more, and then then we'll address it when that time comes. But right now, I feel like he's matured as much as one could from that uh, right. past mistake or whatever. Um, it's still fucked up what he did, obviously, but. Um, 
as long as I mean, like, let's say he goes through his entire WWE career here, or however long he wants to do this, and doesn't make any mistakes. I mean, how long are you gonna hold that shit against him before you're like, okay, he's actually changed or grown up or understood what the fuck he did wrong type deal? Right. Like, you can you can only hold somebody against that shit for so long, especially if they're making an effort to change. And granted, this was uh, your biggest the... star in the fucking company ever is Hulk Hogan. Do I need to say more? Yeah. Let's, yeah. Um, now I will also say this: the the whole shit with the Suicide Forest and all that stuff. It was it was only four years ago, so it's not like he was, you know, eighteen or something. Um, he was okay. And I get that, and to us, that's not that long ago. But in social media, that's right. like twenty years ago. Right. And the other the other part about that is too, it's kind of a weird thing to come across at all to come across a dead body. I don't know how many of you guys listening have or have ever seen one or whatever. But people's reactions are not like static and normal and like maybe I, I mean obviously uploading the video probably wasn't the best idea and all that stuff. Um, like I just you know it's uh, I get the I get the the backlash to it and all that stuff. But on the other hand, man, like there's no normal way to react to that shit. And, and even though he was already a pretty, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't the mega social media star when that happened. He was pretty big from Vine. But yeah, no, I'm going to say yeah, he yeah. was pretty big, but he didn't have all the people around him that he has now that could have told him, hey, do not upload that either as a as a young person either. So he he probably was like, you know, he was probably thinking, honestly, he was probably thinking about the views. He was thinking about the clicks. Right. He was thinking about all that. Um, Yeah, this is fucking nuts. I'm about to post this. And he already had a decent following or whatever. Actually, I mean, a big following, let's be real. But it blew yeah. up after that. And uh, if he can turn that one mistake into positives later on then it's whatever i mean i'm not condoning everybody go out to the fucking thing and start doing dumb shit or whatever but if he can learn from it and turn it into a positive which seemingly he's done since yeah and he's got a relationship with the rock already too because they they did a little collab thing at some point like way before um any of the wrestling shit ever came up so that might have already been his end who knows but um, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, mean, I'm not. He's, I don't know anything right. about. I really didn't know anything about him until I started getting into Pokemon cards, and of course, he's a big Pokemon guy. And I heard about the the video that everybody's talking about, but I never watched it. I never went out of my way to learn anything about him. My first real uh, contact with him ever was the Pokemon thing, and then immediately he's right matched. after he was at WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly. So like, uh, so my feelings might not be as strong as other people's, obviously, but. I didn't really, I don't really care one way or the other, but I do think it's technically a good signing based off of what everything you said for WWE as far as the social media aspect goes because he was so good at WrestleMania, way better than anybody thought. I, I had no idea what to expect at WrestleMania. I said that don't be surprised if he's actually really good, but I didn't even think he was going to be that fucking good. So no. I think he has a future there. Um, honestly, I, if he would have won Money in the Bank and been the eighth man last night, I would have been more okay with him winning than... Austin Theory. Yeah, I agree, actually. Because it would have been interesting, at least. It would have been something new. I mean, um, even if he would have got out there and got destroyed by Roman, it would still have been more interesting because now you're seeing Roman Reigns versus fucking Logan Paul. You're telling me that's not going to get you views on YouTube and shit like that? Like, that's crazy. And also, uh, if I recall afterward, he, do he donated, like, a million dollars to, like, suicide prevention orgs and all kinds of shit. So, like, he's, he's done what he can, man. He's a young kid, weird reaction, kind of shitty, like... Uh, awkward very awkward situation um but you know it not to put morality on a scale or anything but considering some of the other people you had and currently have in your company 
Um, as far as his media controversies go, this is not that big a deal, honestly. Yeah, including the people in charge of your company. All right, so right. <laughs> Io Shirai on the move, possibly. It looks like she already is after that last takeover. It seems like she's already gone and they just haven't like actually announced it. I don't know what this thing is about WWE not wishing people well in their future endeavors anymore. They're like holding everything close to the chest. No one people to know. Like you think Tony Khan ain't going to know if she's fucking a free agent. You think stardom isn't going to know if she's a free agent or if she can wrestle again there. Like, come on, man. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's dumb. So what do you think is her next path? Do you think she goes back to stardom? She wouldn't have to. I mean, she could easily get uh, a role with, you know, any of the American companies that need to build their women's division. She's really fucking good. I mean, um, as, as with all Asian wrestlers, especially, I mean, obviously, Japanese wrestlers that we're talking about here, more specifically, like the Kyrie Sains and Asuka's and Io Shirai's and stuff, and Sheeta's, it's, it's not that they can't get the job with AEW. It's do they mm -hmm. want to stay in America? Like, Nakamura right. loves America. His family loves America. His wife loves America. That's why he re-signed the deal and didn't go back to New Japan. Even though everybody saw what WWE was doing to him, and was like, man, you would be so good in AEW, even though that was in its infant infancy. And Or, oh, man, you should really go back to New Japan. But, I mean, if his family, everybody's going to be different. If you love America and love living here and all that other stuff, then that's going to be a big uh, point. Kyrie Sane wanted to go back to Japan. Right. So... It de I guess it just depends on what Io Shirai wants to do, honestly. And, you know, Shirai's only been here four years, I think. So it's not like she's in a position where she's, like, necessarily gotten so grounded here that she couldn't leave. So that's that's something to consider, too. Um, but she's also in her early 30s. Um, you know how women's careers are generally uh, in the WWE, and that's probably why they're not really... Working to, I know that they offered her an extension, but I, she didn't take it. So apparently, it wasn't like so um, appealing to her that she was like, "Oh, like I have to take that such a huge amount of money or anything like that." So I don't think they're working too hard to keep her. Honestly, um, she would be really good in AEW. Obviously, uh, Stardom. You know, she got a lot of history with Stardom. Um, like a lot of history with Stardom. I think she was in Stardom for eight, nine years, something, something crazy like that. So um, she could always go back there. She'd get like a really good reception there. She'd, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's got options. Uh, I don't think WWE is a real option. I think if she wanted to, she would have already resigned. And if what they were offering was good enough, then she would have already resigned. So she's definitely on her way out. Um, or this wouldn't even be a story. And I think most likely, uh, she she probably she probably does end up going back to Japan. Honestly. Um, but I, I would like to see her in AEW. I mean, I like to see her in AEW, obviously. Or I like to see her go back to stardom, especially if New Japan starts incorporating stardom more, which I think they're doing small baby steps towards. But um, that would be cool, too. Um, she's, I don't believe she's with Evil anymore. So uh, I don't know if that plays a role in her staying in America as well. I, like, like I said, it's basically her personal opinion. Like, the, I mean, a personal want, need, whatever. If she wants to stay in America, then AEW obviously is, the, I think, the best option for her. If she doesn't want to, then obviously go back to stardom. It's no big deal. Um, it's not like we wouldn't be able to ever see her in AEW again if she went to stardom or TJPW or anything like that because of the working relationship between AEW and DDT and TJPW and now uh, New Japan as well. So, like, it's not like this would be 
goodbye to her in the states if she was able if she was wanting to go back to japan so um i whatever she does even if she stays with dota b and nxt or whatever she ends up doing um hopefully she gets what she fucking deserves because she's in WWE, she's number two i haven't heard anything about her not being with evil anymore is that something you've heard yes okay i I, well it's um i have heard that uh, like a couple of months ago i came across it and then on i want to say i went to i mean if i'm getting the right person right it was a eo shirai and evil right yeah it was okay um i believe it's on one of their wikipedia pages too not that that means anything but you get what i'm saying like when i heard about it i went to one of theirs and the personal life one or uh section of these people's profiles or whatever it might have been it might have been yosha rise um it says they were engaged or whatever it was either yosha rise or evil's page i went to after i saw it because i didn't know if the tweet was accurate or not it had a bunch of likes and retweets and stuff so i i assumed that it was correct apparently in an interview she gave in late 2021 she said she was single but the other thing about japanese public figures is that they they will say shit like that a lot because they don't want a lot of personal information about it's not on her either somebody else she was engaged to or with uh let me go to evils right quick watanabe was engaged to wrestler io shirai so it was his that i saw it on that's literally the only thing listed on his personal life right now so i don't know i don't know how accurate it is but but I mean, that's what I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there because it might affect her decision. Like, if she is still engaged to evil, then, yeah, then it would she make might want to go, go back. back to New Japan, yeah, or uh, Japan in general, rather, and go back to stardom. So I guess yeah. it just depends on the person, obviously. I mean, obviously, it depends on the person, but I'm hoping for selfish reasons that she goes to AEW because uh, even though AEW's roster is vast, they still need some quality women and if Io Shirai is number two in my opinion in WWE only under Asuka like you're not going to tell me that AEW couldn't use the number two wrestler in another company you know you get what I'm saying like does that make sense so yeah so yeah Io Shirai would be great honestly over there it would be fantastic so uh, could you imagine like Io Shirai versus fucking Sheeta or something or Io Shirai and uh Rosa Deeb, stuff like that. Like Jade Carter. Britt Baker. Yeah, exactly. Like those would be some hardcore matches right there. So yeah, I'd be hyped for that. Um, let's go to uh the favorite segment of everyone here. It is Mark That Tweet Time. And uh go ahead and clear all that. Mark That Tweet brought to you today by Mark Madden, uh, who I've never been a fan of, so this is gonna be real fun for me. Um, if you're not familiar with Mark Madden, he was towards the end of WCW's career as one of their commentators. Uh, I believe uh, he's not the one that did the impersonation of Jim Ross, but he's still an idiot. He also, I think he has his own show. Yeah, he's a radio personality as well. Um, but yeah, he used to be in uh, WCW. Uh, let me see. Let me see. He is best known for his work as a professional wrestling color commentator for World Championship Wrestling. And he hosts a weekday afternoon show from 3 to 6 on local radio station 105.9 The X. And serves as a part-time sports columnist for Trib Live. Um, 
Yeah, and he was not good. Uh, not not a good commentator either. So, yeah. Uh, so he's not a good wrestling take person either. So check this out. I want you to see this, and I. <sighs> I don't even. I mean, this can be one of those tweets where you don't really know where to begin. I feel like. Are you texting it to me because I haven't. Are you putting no. it in the chat? Oh thing? yeah, yeah. I'll text it to you. I said no. <laughs> My bad. All right, so no. I'm gonna do it at the same time. I put it up on the thing. Let's see if I can hit this up and there it is. AEW signs all the good workers. WWE got Bad Bunny, Pat McAfee, and Logan Paul. WWE comes out so far ahead on that exchange, it's mind-numbing. What's even more mind-numbing is that AEW fans would argue that. Um, so would Ahead you like, on that exchange. Um, would you like to uh, take that one? I okay. I think what he's trying to say is that because of the fact that they are already semi-public figures, that it draws more attention to the product than AEW gets from signing good workers? That's like the best argument I can make for what he's trying to say. Now, it's dumb as fuck. They're not ahead on that exchange, because A, they have to pay them a lot more fucking money for a lot less, like, experience and talent and a lot more of a crapshoot i had no yeah. idea if bad bunny was going to be I, good i don't think the return value is there like they think it no, is it's not they get more youtube views maybe on shit with bad bunny because he's got like a really big international following stuff like that but there's no fucking way on earth that you're looking at this at any kind of long-term perspective for anyone except right now pat mcafee pat mcafee has worked out really well for them as a commentator but we have no idea what the fuck he's getting paid for that and it, the return so far has been you have a decent commentator and you had one like like kind of interesting but not exactly really set up at a WrestleMania where where Stone Cold came back. That was your whole like return on Pat McAfee. So what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, because they don't take NXT seriously, so I don't even count the Adam Cole thing. Yeah. And I would love to see the numbers on this maybe. Like what return he thinks is coming from pat mcafee i like pat mcafee i think he's a very interesting uh commentator i think he adds a lot to the booth i think that the matches that he has had he's clearly got some innate talent and ability at wrestling but if you think that they're going to get more return on pat mcafee than fucking cesaro you're delusional okay so here's the thing about the other thing i think behind wwe's pro uh, thought process not mark madden's mark madden's comment is fucking stupid this is a terrible tweet um, and it was at 1.41 p.m., so he has no excuse about, like, being drunk or something unless he's got some issues. But uh, or the uh, yeah, more okay. alarming thing than the 317 likes. But the WWE, the WWE thought process behind Pat McAfee is Pat McAfee has a very, very popular sports show right. on YouTube that goes live pretty much every weekday, I believe. And I don't know if they actually have even a time frame. Like, some of them are, like, two hours, three hours, four hours, whatever. Um and he mentions WWE a lot on those shows. So maybe they're thinking that by mentioning WWE and being involved with WWE and stuff, they can get more people to come up. Now, from the WWE side, that kind of makes sense, honestly. But from the Mark Madden side, that's not a bigger return investment to possibly get 20 new people's eyes on WWE a couple times than right. fucking bringing in Claudio. Sorry, it's not, dude. Like, that's yeah. not even close in the same realm. You're not, you're not building any good stories out of a bad bunny, bro. You get you get your initial social media pop, you get one song for a show, that's it. 
all the fans, all the fans like, that Claudio has, all the fans that Claudio has made in WWE, right? Like with the signings and stuff, and everybody loves Claudio, and they wanted him to succeed so bad, and they thought the Paul Heyman thing was going to be it when he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and the next night he was with Paul Heyman, or right. the We the People with Dutch Mantel was going to be his big breaking off point, or the win against Seth Rollins finally at WrestleMania where he did the UFO that they couldn't stop fucking showing over and over for the next fucking three months. That was yeah. his big breakout moment, and then. Time after time after time after time after time, they dropped the ball with him with 10 different entrances, 10 different theme songs, 10 different ring gears, uh, all this different, all these different fucking uh, characters that just ended up being Cesaro anyway. All that failed shit. You were thinking that Pat McAfee, by having a weekly show where he talks mostly about sports and like five minutes about WWE, is going to bring 20 people over to WWE and that's going to be a bigger return investment than all the people that Cesaro... Uh, all the fans that Cesaro made bringing him over after they realized that he was on AEW and he's with AEW now, you think Cesaro's not bringing more eyes to AEW than Pat McAfee is to WWE? Are you fucking delusional? Yeah, I don't I don't know if the argument here is like because it does pay-per-view buys or something, but nobody fucking buys pay-per-views anymore. They get them on the network. So what money do you think you're really generating? When you bring in Bad Bunny to a WrestleMania or like a big show like that, those shows are pretty much always already going to be sold out. So really the only attention that you're getting is your social media engagement. And is your social media engagement going to outweigh what you're paying them? I fucking doubt it. Can I ask you something? Like, you know how we get the, uh, you always get the WWE drones out there that talk about, oh man, they're going to be on YouTube in a few weeks. Who cares? AEW is making more from YouTube. Their YouTube, two YouTube shows with their ads and shit. Then mm -hmm. WWE is making because they got a lump sum. They got a lump sum from okay. Peacock. They're not getting yeah. any extra money from you watching the fucking pay-per-view on Peacock. Peacock's getting that ad revenue when you now, watch their fucking pay-per-view. That's true, but they do still get ad revenue and, and revenue from YouTube. So, like, when they put up a, a video of Bad Bunny at WrestleMania or Bad Bunny at whatever the fuck, and it gets however many million views, they are still getting revenue on that view or on that video if yeah, it's ad I get that. but whatever. you don't right. need to sign the guys as fucking talent to get those videos is my right. point and the the big question is is the is the revenue that you're generating from the videos that you were able to put them in on social media matching what you paid them to appear and honestly probably not not and how about this the, the how big... about this uh, think about this too is in Logan Paul's contract, who knows he's a big social media star, is he getting a cut of that ad revenue as well on top of whatever you're paying him? Yeah, because the way that he would structure his contract, I'm sure, would be way fuck. You know what's crazy about that is that if he has an agent or whoever else and they're looking at that independent contractor contract, there's no fucking way there's not some kind of special like uh, caveats and clauses and stuff in that. There's there's no way. Especially no if agent? he can't if especially if he can't upload the, U, the WWE video to his own channel because he's featured on it, then he's definitely going to be getting a cut of the ad revenue from WWE's end. I would be shocked if he doesn't have something where he's able to make like vlog shit backstage, like maybe WWE has to sign off on or something, but that he can put on his own channel. Like there's, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, so I don't, think the return, I don't think the return investment on Bad Bunny, Pat McAfee, and Logan Paul are as big as Matt, Mark Madden thinks. No, it can't They are be. at all. I don't no. even think it's close, honestly. Uh, we can look at... Um, okay, so estimate revenue from YouTube video. Uh, YouTube, blah, blah, blah. YouTube is the money calculator. And then we'll look at... Uh, 
So Bad Bunny YouTube WWE. Bad Bunny's greatest WWE moments. Bad Bunny stuns the universe of WWE WrestleMania. Okay, let's just let's choose this one. This one only got 390,802 views. It's got a million on. Okay, Bad Bunny delivers a message to the Miz. We'll, we'll use this one. 1 million 76,000 views. And we put that in this. Yeah, there's no fucking way. I mean, it's only getting a, like it's so for a million views, it's a few thousand bucks if you're like a big channel with like a lot of subscribers. There's no fucking way. And I mean, he's probably getting part of that, like we just said. Uh, so it's not even two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's okay. I don't know who the fuck. Okay, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way they're getting a return on investment from that. Not with the Peacock model. There were no like. There was no major jump in international subscribers because you had Bad Bunny on a few shows. What the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, it is. Mark Madden doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. That's the thing. That's the thing. And then, like, all the good workers, you're already... By saying that AW signs all the good workers, you're already implying that Bad Bunny, Pat McAfee, and Logan Paul, three of the better ones that we've had as far as celebrities in any kind of way, are already good, and you're already labeling them implying that they're the bad workers out of the two. So AEW right. signs all the good workers, and then you think that overpaying for three guys that aren't as good in the ring and not getting a bigger uh, return on your investment is better for WWE and comes out right. so far ahead on that exchange, it's mind-numbing. What's mind-numbing is that you don't know how any of this works, and you used to be a fucking uh, figure in wrestling. Yeah, how do you not know how this works? That's wild to me, dude. I, What's the I don't investment know. here? Not re not fucking selling out a stadium and having to go to a smaller venue? Like, I don't understand, dude. Who's coming to the show because Pat McAfee is on the announce team that you can't hear? Who who are you fucking getting this return on? Yeah, that yeah, that too. So he's not Pat McAfee's not driving live gates unless he's wrestling on a show, which he hasn't in a while. I'm on a light, it's getting dark in here for the storm. Um but Pat yeah. McAfee wasn't the reason for the live gate anyway. It was uh, Austin. Right. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. They, I can't even pin that on. Nobody fucking was watching WrestleMania night one or night two, whichever one it was, because Pat McAfee was having a match. I'm sorry. That's just not how I like Pat McAfee, too. I like him a lot. I actually watch his uh, live show on YouTube every now and then. It's that's not why people tuned in because of Austin, bro. It wasn't Austin Theory. It was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Can't prove that. I can. <laughs> I can't prove it by the pop that Look, we sent out a survey out. and it said Austin he's a big draw it's fucking brutal dude like Mark Madden dude Jesus Christ yeah, I'm so good. glad you're not in wrestling anymore dude so bad mm. it's the one of the dumbest tweets and what makes it even dumber is it's from somebody that used to be involved in wrestling or maybe still is I hope not but some I'm sure he talks about it on his radio show but God stop tweeting bro like, that uh, is one of those things where it's like, that's Vinco Russo level dumb where I don't even, I'm not going to take anything you say seriously anymore because that was, that's stupid. Yeah, I, I am not a fan. Um, I think the, the funniest thing about all that to me is that, like, you have these people that used to work in the industry. So they'll say, they'll use that as, like, their, their line of credibility. Like, this is their, you know, argument from authority. Like, oh, well, wrestling was doing so much better back when I was involved in it, so I know what I'm talking about. Like, bro... That's ignoring so many fucking variables. Like, it's like saying that Dennis Rodman was a big draw because of the pay-per-view that he was in got, like, 600,000 buys or whatever. Yeah, okay. exactly. Or Coral Malone. Yeah, exactly. Or Jay Leno. Yes, I agree with That's you. That's just because... what wrestling was at the time. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then to not change from that model, look what happened to them. 
Yeah, exactly. You want to bring up celebrity fucking uh, contracts and buy-ins and endorsements and like publicity and whatever. WCW is where it is right now on the back of, you know, obviously a lot of that was just uh, the the network didn't want to keep them. It wasn't like they couldn't have kept going, but they were hemorrhaging money at the end. Like, I don't know if yeah. you've ever read uh, The Death of WCW by um, Alvarez, but like some of the financial shit at that point was rough. And Do if you know it was how much doing money they really gave well, Kiss and shit to have the demon. Oh, man. Oh, don't even get me started on that shit, dude. It's so crazy. They were throwing money away. And when I look at shit like the Bad Bunny thing, I think of it the same way. Whatever temporary, like, little jump in social media engagement and attention you might get, like, some, like, international news articles, whatever the fuck, because he's, like, a big singer, that's not going to stay around. If it did, then you would still see the big bumps in your in your raw numbers and stuff like that from whatever the the bump was when he was around. But he's not around anymore. You didn't sign him. You probably gave him, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars to pull a few thousand dollars on YouTube and to use one of his songs. Like, that's n no, you're not getting the better end of the deal on that. Versus somebody like Claudio, and you can make the argument, too, like, okay, Claudio's a great worker. Like, Claudio, um, you know, he's not going to bring in, like, 500,000 viewers or anything, same as Bad Bunny wouldn't. But the difference is it keeps people to the product. So when you're still able to tell these really good stories and have these really good workers and all this shit... That's what's keeping people attracted to and watching AEW long term versus Bad Bunny, whatever bump you get from that, they're they're just gonna leave when he's gone. Yeah, now, okay, so and and it's the same what you just described is the same thing that Eric Bischoff and all the AEW haters out there try to use against AEW when they bring in Punk or they bring in Danielson. Right. Oh, yeah, you popped that one million rating, but then the next three weeks you got 900,000, 800,000, whatever. Yes. WWE does the same shit. The exact right. same shit. And the difference is when you're doing it with somebody that's like a long-term worker, you can still build stuff in the company around them. You still have the ability to write storylines around them. And it keeps people that are engaged, engaged. Versus doing it with like one-offs and celebrity shit and whatever. Exactly. Now, the can, I, can you name one time where you've gone on the Peacock Network and went back to watch the Bad Bunny match? No, I can't. If AEW, if AEW literally had a streaming service right now, how long would it take you to go back and watch the CM Punk versus MJF storyline? How long would it take you to go back and Maybe watch Omega versus Page? You get what I'm saying? Like, those guys are going to produce moment after moment, and you're not going to have to keep paying them more and more and more and more every time they right. come on for a one-off, like you are a Bad Bunny or a Logan Paul. So that's why, now, on one hand, I agree with the Logan Paul signing, because now he's signed. That's right. different. That's obviously a long-term thing. They wouldn't have just said, hey, we signed Logan Paul, because he's already had a match at WrestleMania. Clearly, you signed him for that. So this it's is also, an actual long-term contract. I think this is smarter for WWE because it's not going to be the bump and then go away, bump and then go away, because and then paying them more every fucking time. So they and it's not just celebrities either, Mark. It's yeah. fucking Lesnar. You know how much you're paying Lesnar and Goldberg every fucking time they come back for their three appearances. And the yeah, and the other weird. Okay, so the other the other thing that we should probably bring up here too is like you're. You don't know what the fuck their return is. So you're, you're making this whole argument like, oh, yeah, anybody that says that they're not getting a better return on that, like, uh, it's so mind-numbing that they would argue that. What fucking numbers are you looking at, buddy? Because we can look at their raw numbers from the time that they brought these people in and then afterward. And do you see a big jump there either? Because I don't. 
Yeah, I mean, because like, uh, you know what? I think he's based, he's got to be basing this off of 1998 or some shit because, I mean, that, like you said, that's what most of them do. They base it off of 1998 because it was a different time or whatever. Yeah. You're not telling me that Bad Bunny, Pat McAfee, and Logan Paul combined are bringing in the revenue that Mike Tyson did when he showed up against Austin right. and led exactly. to a WrestleMania moment where people were actually tuning or buying the pay-per-view because Tyson was the fucking referee and people wanted to see if Tyson was going to get physically involved with Austin. Like, literally people bought the pay-per-view for that. That already had yeah. Austin versus HBK, for fuck's sakes. And then on top be- of that, you put Tyson on it from a whole other realm, and he was so fucking popular, and there was no social media, that people literally bought the pay-per-view, which they don't have to do now, because all you have to do is pay $5 a month for fucking Peacock, which is completely uh-huh. different. So there's no way to be able to tell if Bad Bunny and Pat McAfee and Logan Paul is a fucking better exchange, and... You would be fucking burying yourself by trying to explain how it was because we can look at the numbers that are afforded to us and show you that they're not a better fucking thing because they're not bringing in Tyson numbers. No one is paying $50 for fucking WWE pay-per-views no more. That's why they created the streaming service anyway, and that's why they made the deal with Peacock because they know no one's buying their pay-per-view. You're telling me right now, if they didn't have the deal with uh, Peacock, if they didn't have uh, their own streaming service, and they went head-to-head with a fucking AEW pay-per-view right now, and they were both $50, you're telling me that WWE would fucking sell more? They would sell more pay-per-view buys than an AEW pay-per-view right now. You're talking about, let's take the last two, Forbidden Door and fucking Money in the Bank. Yeah. And you've got people on there complaining about how long AEW pay-per-views are and how much an AEW pay-per-view is, which, by the way, completely contradicts itself. And right. then you've got WWE's pay-per-view that is fucking six matches long, and look at that ma- look at that pay-per-view. You're telling me you're paying $50 for that pay-per-view? Are you fucking stupid? There's nobody—even if you had Bad Bunny on there. Pat McAfee was on commentary, by the way. Even if you had Logan Paul there, you're paying $50 for that pay-per-view? You're out of your fucking mind. You're dumb. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I wouldn't have paid for it before I knew that it wasn't good. Um, I don't pay crazy. for it now. It just happens yeah. to be on something I already have. I got Peacock. I pay Peacock $5 a month because they have super fan episodes of The Office. That's literally why I have Peacock. WWE was already was merged after the fact. I had already gotten rid of WWE Network. The only reason I went out of my way to watch Money in the Bank is because, one, I was off on Saturday, and, two, I had to cover it for the show. Literally, if it wasn't for this podcast, I would not have watched Money in the Bank. I promise right. you. So I'm not Peacock- even joking. Like, we don't even watch Raw and SmackDown on a regular basis anymore. So when people say, oh, why did you, why are you, you're going to be back on Raw? No, I won't because I don't watch Raw. I don't watch yeah. SmackDown. I don't have to. You know why? Because they're going to run the fucking storylines into your throat during the fucking pay-per-view so that they can show you a two-minute goddamn match that's not even good. And, the o- and the I feel only bad way- for everybody that works there because the people that work there are not bad. Right. As far as the wrestlers, most of them. It's like in ring work they're not bad right you've got terrible people that you're pushing that i don't want to see pushed that have issues outside and that nobody should be pushing they should be getting fired like joey ryan at disneyland there's no reason for the people that you are pushing to be pushed okay like that's the main issue i feel bad for seth rollins i feel bad for becky lynch because they have to be associated with this trash ass company and i'm hoping I'm praying that Vince McMahon gets relieved of his duties and Stephanie literally gets put in charge because I don't think Stephanie is a bad person. I don't think Triple H is a bad person in their uh, more mature ages. I don't think the company would die under their watch. But when you got Laura Nitus and Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon in charge, 
it's just fucking disastrous right now. I don't know what the fuck they got going on as far as pushing, hiring, all this shit, but it's not good. None of it is good. Backstage, none of it is good. You can even go all the way to, um, for people that only watch Modern Times, you can always go all the way back to fucking um, Alberto Del Rio, who's also not a great person. But when he was getting racist shit said to him to the point where he slapped somebody backstage and got released or whatever. Like, it's always not been great backstage the higher up you go. It's bad. So, yeah. like, I'm, like, I don't want WWE to go out of business. I really don't. But I need Vince to get taken off of there. I need these dumb decisions to get stop being made. I need glad-handing yes-men like Mark Madden to stop fucking pumping up their these decisions that make no sense so that they stop doing them because they're going to run their own promotion into the fucking ground. Eventually, so stockholders and board of directors and everybody else need to step in and be like, hey, enough is a fuck enough. Like, this is not good TV. This is not good programming. This is not who we want in charge, you know, shit like that. Like, we're talking about hemorrhaging money. You're not hemorrhaging money by bringing in Bad Bunny, Pat McAfee, Logan Paul, uh, all the celebrities that they had during the fucking anonymous Raw GM bullshit. Who knows how much those motherfuckers are getting paid? Like, mm. come on, man. Like, this is fucking dumb. This is such a bad take by Mark Madden. It's ridiculous. Here's, here's something I don't know if he's considered, too. And I had to do some quick math on this real quick. I mean, based off of his tweet, I highly doubt he considered anything. It looks like he just thought of this and tweeted it out. Probably not. So, at its peak, here's, here's what was always confusing this fuck to me about the Peacock deal with WWE, too. At its peak, the WWE Network had about 2 million subscribers. Okay? So, at about $10 a piece, that's about $20 million. Um, per month, right? And you multiply that by 12, then you're kind of taking a pay cut from your peak to do the Peacock deal, but it's more consistent. So, like, in an absolute perfect world where you always maintain 2 million subscribers, you are making about 20, 240, million, 240 million a year. Um, now, their deal with Peacock is 1 billion over 5. So you're you're making about... Um, and this is just bare numbers. This is not added in when they got ad revenue later on and had ads on their shit for another right. thing because that's obviously extra revenue. So they got right. 240. Like, we're just doing it. not counting gate or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're just counting Peacock cut and... I mean, uh, W Network cut and dry. Yes, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Pay-per-views. Pay-per-views alone. So you got $240 million in, in pay-per-views a year that you're now cut down to 200, uh, $200 million a year in pay-per-views for your Peacock deal. So for... AEW to like be on the same page as that, considering they do less pay-per-views per year, you kind of have to account for that and then divide that by the number that they actually do. So you already take that down by like at least a third, maybe more, because they, they typically only do about four a year versus WWE's 12 to 14. Um, so being realistic, uh, you would expect w or AEW pay-per-views to come out somewhere around like, um, like somewhere between like 50-ish, um, a little bit more if, if you're being like super charitable or whatever, um, to match what WWE is doing, and they've been around for a super fucking long time. Um, per quarter, that is. So, I mean, if I were to do it like, so if you were to do it by, uh, let's say they, they, let's say WWE has 12 a year, just for simplicity, and they're making 200 million per year. And they're doing 12 pay-per-views. So you're making about $16 million a pay-per-view. Um, now, because they're running 12, you would still divide that further. So you would take that down by 
let's say four. So now you're making about four million when you equalize it per big event, right? Forbidden Door just pulled 4.4 in buys. So they're not really that fucking far off. Like, if they were running as many events and got the same amount of buys every time, you're looking at a pretty similar structure. Like, the math isn't, you know, it's not one-to-one -one for sure because it's a much older company. They've been around a lot longer, whatever. And then when you consider Gates, obviously it's a little bit different too because they're not getting Gates 12 times a year. They're getting Gates four times a year, all that bullshit. Still, though, what, what are you basing this idea that they are getting the better end of the stick or whatever the fuck you're trying to say? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't follow to me in any way. So. Okay, well, the deal with the Peacock was a, is a base thing, obviously. They got, the, the deal was valued at over a billion, or mm -hmm. worth a billion, rather. Um, I don't know how long that is. I don't know how long the deal was in terms of years. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not getting the ad revenue from Peacock. They're not getting the extra $5 subscribers. They gave all that to Peacock. That's the, yeah. literally the entire no. reason. So they got no. a billion. And, let, and let's say they made that deal, right? And they made that deal first before, I believe, the Saudi Arabia shit. So let's say the Saudi Arabia shit never happened. Mm -hmm. They'd be fucked. If it wasn't for yeah. Saudi Arabia, their income is brutal right now. Yeah, so I was looking at the, um, the financial report that they gave out, and I had to have this whole fucking conversation with somebody because I didn't get it. But, like, the financial reports that they released essentially said that without the... Uh, so a lot of people were focused on the... Um, the ticket revenue. They were like, oh my god, it's up like hundreds of percentages year over year. I was like, yeah, it's because they weren't fucking running shows. Like, the quarter that you're talking about was still COVID time if you're doing an annual report, like the year that you're talking about. Year over year, they're like up hundreds of percent in gate for revenue and tickets. They're, they must be getting so popular, blah, blah, blah. It's like, bro, <laughs> they weren't selling tickets. They weren't having shows. So that doesn't mean shit. Um, and when you take out the, the money that they had for the... Um, Saudi stuff, then they were a lot closer to like barely breaking even. Um, when you're talking about a $200 million a year deal for your television, and then you have guys making 3 million, 4 million, 5 million, 1 million, 800,000, whatever, a year, like this shit starts to get chipped at pretty quickly. And then you look at your administrative infrastructure, you look at the headquarters that you run out in uh, Connecticut, and that, you know, there's costs associated with that. Um, like, I'm sure they're profitable, but the I feel idea like they that, that they're too. Like, that's why all the layoffs, and not just with the wrestlers, but with everybody. Yeah, well, the layoffs are weird too, because the layoffs aren't even a big chunk of their income. The layoffs are like the 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 money that they saved on contracts was not like a huge dent. I love when the you fact that they the, moved into a new building and then laid a lot of people off. That that, that made me, that made sense. Yeah, they had a fitness center, bro. A bigger that's building and then laid people off. That that's yeah. smart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just need to, I need, we got to tell Mark Madden a little something here. This one is from MJF, buddy. You don't know shit. Your opinions suck. You fucking Mark. There we go. Good shit on Mark that tweet. Yeah, it's, it's brutal, man. I, I hate having to have this conversation like every few shows. Cause we, I swear it feels like we're saying the same shit over and over with this, but like when you got dumbass tweets like this being produced and it, yeah. it sucks even more that it's from somebody that's been in the business. So then of course you got people that follow you or they think, you know what you're talking about. Cause you used to be in the business, even though you weren't good. Um, yeah. 
Here's even when you were in the business and you were at a dying business, you got hired when the business was dying that you were in yeah. WCW. It was already on its way thing, down like, and out. Uh, like Mark was Madden was way late in WCW. And yeah. then you try to come up with this. I mean, like you're like you and Bubba the Love Sponge are literally neck and neck, dude. Like that's how bad you are. Like that's really what if you're a radio personality that thinks you know shit about wrestling and you don't know shit. Um, Here, if in case anybody is like curious about how big of a uh, deal their Saudi show is, here's how their consolidated results for fourth quarter looked. Uh, here's how it read. Revenue increased 30% to 310.3 million, primarily due to the impact of a large-scale international event. And then the next section, operating income. Operating income increased 131%, or 47.4 million, to 83.6 million, driven by the impact of the company's large-scale international event, and to a lesser extent, the return to other ticketed live events. Like they mention it twice in the first two fucking consolidated results sections. That's how big that Saudi deal is for them. Like, it's a major driver of everything that they're able to put on paper and say, look at these huge jumps quarter to quarter or, like, year over year or whatever. It's all the Saudi shit. You take that out, and those numbers look a lot fucking less good. So. Yeah, it's bad. It's got nothing I, to do with I, Pat McAfee and fucking Bad Bunny. Is the yeah, point. yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine thinking that's why. Imagine thinking that's why you're... And imagine that's, thinking that's literally you the only so thing I've They're yeah. the ones that hired these people anyway. AW yeah. signs all the good workers. Guess where all these people came from? WWE. So what are you talking yeah. about? So let's just talk about, let's take AEW out of it. WWE got rid of Cesaro, got rid of Adam Cole, got rid of Gargano, mm -hmm. because I mean, if they had a really good work environment, I'm, just, I'm saying get rid of, but rid they of all left it, yeah. on their own I accord. But if they yeah. had a good work environment and were getting pushed like they should have been, then they wouldn't, they wouldn't have left. Leave. So I'm going to say right. WWE got rid of them. So WWE got rid of all these guys, push all these guys out, and your replacements were Bad Bunny, Pat McAfee, and Logan Paul, and you think WWE came out far ahead on the exchange? No, uh, maybe stupid. maybe as a cultural entity, but not as a wrestling company. Um, and even that is only because they've been around for so long. You give AEW another 10 years in this position, um, I don't think they're ever going to... Wrestling, I don't think, will ever reach the cultural relevance that it once had because it is so stigmatized in um, like pokes. Like, you know, when I was going to Forbidden Door, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Chicago. So we're like, oh, why? Like, I'm going to go see a show. Oh, yeah, like, who's playing? I was like, no, it's not a... It's not a concert i'm gonna go watch a professional wrestling show it's like the biggest crossover event between a japanese pro wrestling company and an american company in like 30 years and everybody's like oh like pro wrestling that's weird like not really it's pretty entertaining like it's um you know it's fun to watch it's a good live show whatever and then that was pretty much it so everybody thinks there's this weird stigma about pro wrestling but not really like people are a little bit like oh you're into that and i was like yeah and that is, that's the whole fucking conversation so, well I don't because know, man. most wrestling fans i mean if you've met them yeah, that's you. I, I will say this, and this is going to sound kind of mean, but um, <laughs> we were in line for Forbidden Door. And of course, you know, you have all the wrestling fans that go to wrestling shows, and there's a stereotype associated with them and their attractiveness and things like that that I don't conform to. I was a very handsome man. Um, neck beards. Yeah. Fat neck me, beards that don't wear deodorant. Look, look at that, boy. No, I'm saying like, that's what, the, that's no, what I, people I, I associate. Know, I know, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Or just like weird looking people or like whatever. Um, and the person that I was with who was obviously not like a wrestling fan, she's like, well, the crowd is pretty much exactly like what I thought they would be. And I was like, oh, okay. I see what you mean. Um, so there is still that stigma associated with it in a way. Um, but other than that, like as far as a product, if, if you're a normal looking, normal acting, like well-adjusted, intelligent person, 
and you're having a conversation and it comes up that you watch pro wrestling, it's kind of like a weird curiosity kind of thing. And they're like, oh, that's fucking weird. I was like, okay. It's, it doesn't really have the but same. But see, to uh, me, it, it's, not, it's, not any more, it's not any more weird or awkward than, uh, okay, it used to be like that for people that watched anime. Now there's mm. all types of people that watch anime, people you wouldn't even expect. They, everybody's got yeah. a favorite thing. And I think wrestling could eventually be that. I, think I just don't think to a point I'm with you though. It's not going to be 1998 again. But, but as far as like the anime uh, relevance or thing or whatever, because there's so much wrestling now. Well, there's a reason people will go back like and watch shit like One Piece or fucking Bleach or whatever, even though it's long, super long. And the reason is that it's got a good long-term storytelling arc. It's got interesting character development. You have like good action scenes, whatever. And I think if wrestling gets to a point where you can deliver it in a way, and this is kind of what I was talking about with the AEW streaming service too. If you can deliver it in a way where you separate out those threads and make them accessible just as that one storyline thread on like a streaming service or whatever. So like, I want to go back and watch the whole fucking Hangman Omega arc all the way back to the New Japan stuff. And I want to watch that season of wrestling or whatever the fuck. You can watch that as one long thread, and I think that would be a, a much better way to consume wrestling content Correct. after the fact. Binge watch it like a Netflix show. Right, and I think that that would bring a lot more attention to it as a storytelling medium, but we're not there yet. So, yeah, no, that I think that'd that's be a the way to get idea. it culturally relevant again. So, yeah, that would be a fantastic idea. I think Tony Khan definitely needs to have that as a tab of yeah. a, a top AEW storylines or famous AEW stories or rivalries or whatever you want to call it, so that it doesn't break kayfabe. I guess the top AEW rivalries, and then you go down to it, and then you have each one, and you're looking for just do it by year or something, or do it by uh, wrestler that involves yeah. whatever wrestler you're looking for and then boom it pops up all theirs and you can go to it and then boom 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 you got little chapters you watch them like they're single episodes like in a Netflix series boom like you break it up into like six eight segments whatever mm-hmm. like a Disney show like whatever like I do believe that would be beneficial to um, somebody new getting into wrestling it's, and right. the other thing is is you you're gonna need that fairly soon for AEW because if you wait too long you're going to be in the same position that WWE was in it's where it's really hard for somebody new to get into it because it's yeah. already been too late a lot of people that were into AEW they jumped into it head first at the beginning because it was brand new you get to start this from the beginning so all you have to do is keep up every week and you're good now we're three years in somebody comes in you're already explaining a lot of shit to them because of how much story there is with AEW stuff right so when when Shibata came out at Forbidden Door and everybody was going crazy she was like Who's that? I was like, I'll explain later. I'm Why did all these people the fucking go nuts? Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm not going to tell you the Shibata story right now. All right? It's too long. <laughs> just, just know it's a big deal. Um, so, and you look at the way that comic books are consumed, too, and the, the, what piques people's interest in comic books with character work. Like, you could be a really big Wolverine fan, right? And you go back and read, like, Wolverine one-shots or, like, the Wolverine series or whatever. You do the same thing with, like, a Hangman Adam Page. What's interesting about that is if you're also interested in Hulk, and you go back and watch the Hulk shit, then when Hulk meets Wolverine, that's way more interesting to you than it was before. And you can have kind of the same thing. You go back and watch the, um, like, whoever's story. Uh, we'll do uh, Kenny Omega. We'll say Kenny Omega. You watch the whole Kenny Omega story. It's like, oh, well, that ended pretty fucking weird. I kind of want to go back and see uh, Adam Page's story now. And you go back and see all their interactions in the same way. But then also the other shit that he was up to at the time or like it's I, mean, I think it's, it's a almost it's almost a necessity. It. It's almost a necessity for AEW to do something like that with whenever they do get a streaming service. Because mm-hmm. like you said, if I everybody always asks this question, 
hey, if you were introducing somebody that doesn't know anything about wrestling and you wanted to show them an AEW match, what would you show them? I can't tell you a match. Right. I can tell you a story that they need to watch the whole thing of, though. If you want to hook somebody, like a YouTube yeah, mini documentary I can go show about, you Kenny like, Omega versus Adam right. Page when they finally had their match and Adam Page beat them, but mm -hmm. you're not going to know that whole fucking story before that. I want to yep. show you their fucking tag team run. I want to show you the BTE shit. I want to show you all that shit. I want to show you the countdown right before all that stuff. So, like, that's what you want to show somebody. So that you're trying to hook them. You're not trying to be like, oh, hey, that, yeah, that was pretty cool. But then they're never going to watch anything else again. You want well, to hook a... somebody. So you need to show them a story. You have YouTube accounts that try to do stuff like this, like your Tranquilo Club and uh, a couple other ones that are a little bit more prominent. Um, he did, like, a four-part series on the uh, Hangman um, Omega stuff that was pretty good. Um, but that needs to be the delivery mechanism for wrestling content going forward, like by the company itself, I feel like, or otherwise it's just not going to pick up. Yeah, mainstream. I agree. And WWE, and that's something you'd have over WWE because they'd all their shit would be 98 and before. Right. Exactly. Because they don't do that now. They don't have long enough stories to have some really good fucking thing. Like it would be just bad. Like it would either be bad or it'd be two segments. Like, or you could, you know, you could even set it up where you follow one guy. Same thing as like reading just the fucking Batman comic and, and not really caring about Nightwing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, there's a bunch of people that just, I love Adam Page. Okay, well then right. here's Adam Page's latest fucking match or interview or right. whatever. Hey, we've and if you want to keep it up with a it, notification. You, hey, Adam Page right. has a new, new thing that we just put up on whatever. Watch it if you want to follow him or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you and have it people does like draw that now that do that on the Twitter. That, I mean, yeah. they're not. And that's that's different from a Stan account too, by the way, because you want somebody that's actually going to follow and not blindly fucking say, oh, they're the greatest ever. Liv Morgan's the greatest ever, or Sasha Banks is the greatest to ever fucking lace up. That Stan accounts are completely different from somebody following as a fan. So right. you want people that are actually going to pay money to go see your events. You want people that or are going to go buy yet. the merch. You want people or that are... Or just that they get invested enough in the person's storyline that they want to keep up with it in real time. Exactly. And especially goal. if it's a streaming service. If you have a right. streaming service and that person, you want them to keep paying month, 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 yeah. month, depending and on... And you they know, care if you enough what's happening. They're, they're all called up. They're like, oh shit, this stuff with Adam Page is really good. Oh, they're advertising he's going to be on TNT tonight. I'll watch that live. And then I'll just watch the whole show until the part where he's there. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, like, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm here tonight for Adam Page. Like, there's a bunch of people that are like that. Like, yeah, I don't mind watching the rest of it, but I'm here for Adam Page. I'm here for Adam Page versus Adam Cole. I'm here for Adam Page versus Lance Archer. I'm here for Adam Page versus Kenny Omega. Like, I'm a huge Adam Page fan. That's why I bought the ticket. And I think you could, uh, you could uh, bring in more. Uh, people like that with your model that you're talking about for the app. Yeah. All right. So there it is. Mark that tweet. We went off the rails a little bit, but there's no, zero way that that's a better return investment than AEW hiring Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, and, Punk. and Claudio. I'm sorry. It's yeah. just it's just not even close, dude. It's not close. Um, yeah, and, and you can also. I mean, Tony Khan already said outright every pay-per-view that CM Punk was on did better numbers than the one before it. So, yeah. And imagine what Forbidden Door would have done with CM Punk on there. Right. Because Moxley would have been in the blood and guts, even though I'm super happy. Honestly, like, I obviously I was going for Punk. I'm glad he won the title. Sucks bad that he dropped it. It got hurt. But I'm not going to pretend that I'm not happy that Cesaro just came in, and I'd much rather prefer the way that he came in to the way that he was going to come in. So... I'm super hyped about Claudio. 
And now I'm really hyped for Punk to get back because he'll be going against Moxley because I don't see anybody taking it off Moxley before Punk comes back. I just don't see it yeah. happening. Brody match will be good, though. Yeah. No, the, the Brody King match will be fantastic. And maybe uh, set up some House of Black versus BCC stuff. Yeah, we'll it see. might even turn into, yeah, it might even turn into Malachi versus Moxley. Yeah. Did you see the right graphic for it? They put their faction logos beside each of them. So yeah, like that's going to be their new thing. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, they're done with uh, Death Triangle anyway, and now they're done with JAS. So, because that was a Kingston thing anyway. It wasn't really a right. BCC thing until later. But yeah, it's going to be good shit. I'm, I'm excited to see it. And then hopefully that leads into the trio's titles eventually as well. If Moxley does drop it to Punk on his arrival, his comeback or whatever. I don't know how they're going to do that. Right. Well, we'll see, but we'll see you guys next week. I appreciate everybody coming through that came through. Sorry we had to record this last part off stream, but uh, it will be available obviously on YouTube. And you can also catch this on Spotify, video podcasts, and Anchor audio podcasts, along with other audio podcasts like Apple Podcasts and stuff like that, if you just want the audio. So appreciate it. Deuces.